fresh and exciting. Somebody with a sock personality that'll sweep people right off their feet. Where is he? What is he up to? What other terrors can he unleash at will? Calling your genial host, renowned writer, art collector, and teller of strange tales. What fiendish power did he possess? Where did he come from? Who is this man? Believe me. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network for a Monday. Talk radio the way our founders intended. America, where 72 Americans have sadly lost their lives in this Arctic blast so far. Because if you recall, before it got cold, it was really hot. Day 1107. Here with the Eric in America. Say hello to EZ. What's up? Good afternoon. And putting the heat in Heather. Hello. Double H is here. Uh, us, uh, we're loaded up today with a special guest. In the uh, next segment is Gregory Wrightstone, a geologist, author. He wrote um, a very convenient warming, <clears throat> how modest warming and more CO2 are benefiting humanity. Uh, to be interesting. Dark History Hour 3, uh, Eric Matheny. In uh, the final hour of the program with your remarks from the Florida Man Radio app in between. Well, uh, there's a changing, uh, uh, what do you call it, skyline, probably there. In the presidential election, the 2024, here's Ron DeSantis. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. So with Ron DeSantis out of the race, I think he did the right thing. Um, He's endorsed Donald Trump. I don't think it harms him in terms of a run in 2028 because he is gracefully uh, uh, dropped out. Um, uh, You know, in every state except for New Hampshire, Trump leads by no less than 30 points. And in New Hampshire, his lead is 15 over Nikki. Ron's departure didn't help Nikki at all. A lot of people thought, you know, maybe if Ron dropped out, Nikki would uh, would uh, rise. <clears throat> if she has, it hasn't been very much. Trump currently stands at 62% to Nikki Haley's 35%. Um, I think it puts uh, serious pressure on Nikki Haley to resign, to drop out. If she's that far away... You know, uh, 28 points away. I don't know. Could she close that gap? I doubt it. Um, and for her to press on, she's going to. Ha- and now, you know, this is one on one here. And there are a lot of Trump detractors that said, uh, you know, on a one on one clash, there's no way Trump, he's going to lose. There's no, no. If he had a single candidate, you know, there's a two candidate primary, Trump would definitely lose because he's been splitting 50% of the vote with the other. 
uh, two main players, and if one of them dropped out, it's a done deal for Trump. Well, that's proven to be incorrect. Um, she, so to press forward, she's going to have to attack Trump. She's going to have to attack him personally. Uh, she may uh, uh, join the uh, illegal persecution, you know, cheer on the lawsuits against the president, uh, even if they crumble. But I think more than ever, because this is a 2028 will be a, 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 a general election without an incumbent. So it, it, it behooves Trump. I mean, his vice president selection has got to be. Somebody that really, I mean, there's no way a Pence is the right guy here. It has to be somebody that is not um, not like any other vice president. One is out there, uh, uh, very vocal, very visual, visible, and and that can be seen as a suitable, if not the number one candidate for the 2028. Yeah, I think his vice president candidate has to be a presidential candidate because of the fact that you're looking at what's going on on the other side and Kamala Harris has been an absolute disaster. I think they thought that she was going to be a rock star and she was going to kill it, and they were going to be able to run her right smooth. Right. Like, here we go. Uh, uh, she was vice president for eight years, African-American woman. Boom, president, runner. And now they have no idea what to do because she's been an absolute disaster. She is not that vice president. <clears throat> you know, a lot of EPs have risen. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely not the one. Tim Scott, who knows? Uh, Donald Trump did say he will no longer use the term desanctimonious. Okay. You just said, will I be using the name Ron desanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. <laughs> Very happy about that. Wow. Yay! Isn't it funny? Uh, the, I retired that name. It used to be a name that I use. I won't use it anymore. Because he kissed the ring. <laughs> I mean... The issue that Nikki Haley is going to have right now is who has supported her out of her own party that's left. I mean, everybody's right now that's dropped out other than Chris Christie. Is has, Chris Christie the only one that's endorsed her? I think he's the only one that's, I don't even know if he's endorsed her, but everybody else. Uh, at Trump's rally just, just the other day, Burgum, uh, Vidic, Burgum. and Tim Scott were all there. So, I mean, of all the people that have dropped out already, the only one that wasn't was DeSantis. Yeah, tw- Trump's twenty-seven points up on on her at the at the time. Um, <clears throat> anything short of a super narrow defeat by Trump in New Hampshire of Nikki Haley would 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 you know would put a lot of pressure her for her to drop out. Because she's got three more weeks of pushing ads for you know in her home state. She's already behind there. Her def- her performance tomorrow is going to determine. Um, I don't know. Perhaps her her political career. Let me ask you this: Before uh, it, it felt like, sounded like, looked like Trump would never consider DeSantis for a VP. Do you think that's changed? No, I think he yesterday said that he would have no part in his administration. So, how about Nikki? No, definitely not. Yeah, I think Trump. Real hardcore Trump supporters would uh, would not like that, but you got now look look Trump so far has a he's got uh, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, Senator Rubio, he's got a lot, he's got uh, J- uh, T- Tim Scott, a lot of Republicans in the House and the Senate have endorsed him, and I don't see anything like that for Nikki. Yeah, that's not there's not been anybody really. 
Um, it's a two-person race. And we'll see. You know, what, it's like 40% of New Hampshire can can, can vote. Not that are not that aren't registered Republicans can vote in this uh, primary, and that's going to be uh, very telling as well. How they, which side they come down on? Uh, <clears throat> immigration, believe it or not, is now the number one concern for voters. Uh, up seven points since last month alone. Immigration is number one concern in this general at 35%. Inflation, number two, at 32%. 77% believe Biden should strike a deal with Republicans to increase border security. 68% of Republicans and 50% of Democrats believe Biden should make it tougher to get into the United States illegally. And Fetterman's coming around. That was breaking with Dems. I mean, um, again, we need to get him on. It was the meme I saw the other day. Is that whoever his psychologist was while he was in, uh, uh, while he was doing treatment, needs to get talk to every Democrat along the way. <laughs> he said, uh, "I don't really don't understand why it's controversial to say we need a secure border," and. What I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any, for any migrant. However, it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up un, un, uh, encountered at our border each month to achieve that. I've been very clear. In fact, this, has, this was weaponized against me, Republicans in my race, that I am very much a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my wife's family, that's the origin story about that. He honestly don't understand why do you think you've been criticized so many by so many progressives? He doesn't they don't get it. Uh he said it's a threat to the American dream. What about that guy who came across? Uh I don't know if it was a British, Middle Eastern thing, and people are like, hey, where are you from? And he said, Don't worry, here, here's the audio from. It's very uh very weird. By the way, if you are smart enough, you would know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Very easy. Ah, very easy. The, the entitlement. The entitlement. Uh, sounds to me like he's here. To, uh, sounds a bit leisure to me. Yeah. I mean, he's a well-known heart surgeon in Afghanistan. Uh, that's why we're going to know his name soon. He's going to be yeah. saving children uh, in yeah, Utero doing heart surgery. Of course. That should be. That's, that's, that's uh, really. Um, KJP was hit again. Ducey this time about a, a girl that had been um, a legal alien uh, charged with sexually assaulting a, a, a Virginia minor. Authorities in Fairfax County, Virginia, ignored an ICE detainer. They released an illegal immigrant from Honduras who was charged with sexually assaulting a Virginia minor and production of sexual abuse material. Doesn't that go to show that as record numbers of people appear at the border, you guys have no idea what kind of people are coming into this country. Let me just say, uh, first of all, this is why the president is having negotiations with 
the Senate senators, Republicans and Democrats, right, for the past couple of weeks right. to deal with what's going on with the border security, right, as it, re as it relates to border security. This is why the president on day one put forward a comprehensive uh, immigration blah, blah, plan. Blah, blah, that, blah, blah, that, blah, 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 blah. Did you see that piece that Tucker, I guess he's doing some investigative stuff now. They found out some hidden uh, illegal camps uh, and the places they're stuffing these illegal aliens. Even the socialist mayor of Chicago says the city is breaking under the strain. Our team uncovered a shadow terminal, for example, inside Chicago O'Hare Airport. Hundreds of migrants were being hidden there secretly. Our team pulled up with cameras rolling, and at first we didn't see much. The city erected a black tarp to hide what was going on. And a third-party security group paid for with your tax dollars told us that was prohibited. We weren't allowed to see. What are you doing? I want to look inside. For what? For what? Inside, our team found more than 100 beds on the floor. The smell was overpowering, Ugh. repulsive. Even police stations in Chicago have been turned into refugee camps. This is new video, never seen before, of what's actually happening all inside police Chicago's thing. police stations. Keep in mind, the people who work in those police stations are paid to protect you. Um, that's a lot of uh, stashing illegals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not even out in the open anymore. It's like, uh, we're hiding them behind, uh, walk into our police station, door number two. Oh, uh, illegals! Illegals. Oh, I can smell them. <laughs> Um, and using, uh, I guess, not yet activated terminals of, of airports, which, you know, a lot of airports add a terminal and they take some, some time to get it online. Um, and they're just packed. They're packed full. Uh, they're, they got nowhere else to go. And guess what? There's more on the way. Do you see the pictures at the, at the border? At the there's, there's as far as the eye can see, people are crowded together to get through. Now they practically shut down Eagle Pass. Yeah, except for the pictures I saw of Eagle Pass, which went from uh, being a ton of people standing outside waiting, trying to get over, to it's a ghost town. They heard that you can't get through Eagle Pass anymore, and they've gone That's someplace else. Right. Good for Texas. Now what what ensues from there? You know, when the uh, when the feds get a little miffed, who knows? I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I mean, I think you're going to see. Uh, Arizona, New Mexico get a little worried here soon because if Abbott decides that Eagle Pass has worked pretty well, he might do it across all of Texas. And, and that's kind of, this is kind of an extension of his busing migrants to other sanctuary cities because, uh, I mean, not to punish anybody, but if, if, if Texas does a solid job of protecting and shutting down these, these you know, funnels of, of illegals, then it's going to fall on Arizona next. And then Arizona's going to have to do what they have to do, defy the federal government, unlike they did the first time they told them to take down the wall, uh, and it, defy them this time and say, no, look, Texas got away with it. We're going to do it. Then it'll fall on New Mexico, and then in California, they'll just be happy to take them all. Yeah, they'll just all funnel to California. And why not? That's where they belong anyway. I mean, it's wonderful there. Uh the House January 6th committee, the select committee, the one that came out with a bogus report, they have apparently attempted to um, delete more than 100 encrypted files just days before the GOP took majority in the House. Hmm. I'm sure that's a oversight, you know, 
Someone probably hit. Oh, I didn't want to. Mm. Uh, uh, the Loudermilk is doing the investigation on it. They told Fox that per House rules, the former select committee, chaired by Benny Thompson, was required to give all the documents, turn everything over from its investigation to the new GOP-led panel after Republicans secured the majority of the House of Representatives. The select committee would turn over four terabytes of archived data, uh, but they only received three terabytes of data. So it was determined by a forensics team they, that 117 files were both deleted and then encrypted. Their files were deleted on January 1st, 2023, days before the team was required to transfer the data. Forensics team, don't worry about it, though. They were able to recover all 117 deleted and encrypted files. Now, here's the battle. Louderbeck has to go because apparently they're all password protected. Loudermilk has gone back and said, uh, uh, yeah, you said you turned over four. There's only three. Um, but we did find uh, the other digital records. Once we covered the, uh, the files, this closed the identity of the, of the individual whose testimony was not archived. Further, we found that most of the recovered uh, files were password protected. We give us the list of all passwords. Um, they went to great lengths. Yeah, I'm curious what that extra terabyte of data is that they've made sure to password protect. They don't know who has the password. That's going to be it. We'll never know. This is another one of those holes that something goes, oh, yeah, they get, we don't know where the pa- We can't find those passwords anywhere. Yeah, I had it on a sticky note on the break room fridge. It seems to have fallen off. Uh, maybe it got swept into the trash. Who knows? God. I mean, we'll never know the truth. We'll never know the truth. I don't know how you get. I don't know. Maybe they can find pass. These one of these passwords that your phone so it's strong password suggestion, which is just a bunch of mumble jumble that no human could ever remember. Yeah, they would have. I mean, we have that encryption software, but it could take a while, and they have to get authorized to use it, and then who knows how long it'll take. Uh, yeah, yeah. Depending on what type of encryption is done to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sadly, In and Out Burger has had to close one of their the first ever in the history of this company of the company, um, and it's 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 unheard of for them to close for any reason whatsoever. They always they're great at the real estate they buy. Uh, their 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 concept is a kick ass. Their they're reputation huge in their communities. They usually yeah. go into wherever they're at and go to all events. They go to everything that can be a part of the community to try yep. to get people like, hey, in and out's part of your community. And we want to help. You know, here is the news report. It's not because they weren't making money. There, there's no such thing as a non profitable In and Out Burger. In and Out Burger plans to close its only restaurant in Oakland because Oakland. of crime in that. In and Out Burger plans to close its only restaurant in Oakland because of crime in that area. The Burger Chain released a statement saying the restaurant near the Oakland airport will be closing March 24th. The statement says despite taking repeated actions to make things safer for customers and employees, they're still regularly the victims of car break-ins, property damage, thefts, and armed robberies. 
Imagine you go to have a double double and uh, you're sitting in your car. That's where most people eat their In and Out burger. And you're eating it, and a, a guy comes up, puts a gun through the window. That's happening at this, at this. Or if you go inside, your car gets broken into right there in the parking lot and robbed. Yeah, Matt, that's in you, broad daylight. And guess what? That'll be the same community that's going to cry. Oh no, we don't have any place to eat anymore. It was well. a food desert. <laughs> Yeah, well, soon Oakland's going to be, all the Bay Area is going to be a food desert, a pharmacy desert, a toilet paper desert, a tampon desert. uh, uh, But you'll still be able to find some liquor and a pack of smokes. Matt, you'll be able to go to your government-run grocery store that's behind plexiglass window, and they'll hand you out your bag of groceries once a week. (laughs) All right, uh, when we return, if you don't like a story that's coming out in the paper... Just go steal all the papers. Hang on. It's Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping. Cook. Clean. Be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Well, our guest uh, is awaiting us. His name is Gregory Wrightstone. He's a geologist and an author. Uh, executive director of the CO2 Coalition, one of the uh, not one of the few, one of the many um, growing numbers of scientists speaking out on the uh, climate change, you know, hoax. If you want to put it that way, let's put him on. Uh, Gregory, how are you, sir? Oh, really good. Good to be on with you uh, as a as a Florida native, uh, and, and uh, now I, I like I like your uh, radio show title. Oh, thank you. We're Florida Man Radio. That's what we're all about. Where, what part of Florida are you from? Uh, Hillsborough County, South oh, okay. Tampa. Yeah, all right. Well, you 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 know what you're talking about. A geologist. You've written many books. You're the executive director of CO2 Coalition. That's a scientific organization, uh, one of the best known in the world, that disputes the consensus narrative about catastrophic warming. Um, let's start from the beginning. I, I learned an important lesson uh, years ago. I, I keep aquariums. I was growing an aquarium specifically for plants. I just wanted to have plants, and uh, they kept dying on me. I had all the lights, had the water right. And the guy at the store said, are you, are you putting CO2 in it? I said, what do you mean? Why would I put, put CO2 in it? He said, well, you gotta, I had to buy this system and infuse CO2 into the water. And, man, it was like a jungle in there in no time. 
Um, so why the big hullabaloo about so much CO2 in our atmosphere if it's actually really plant food? Yeah, that, that's the case. And there are a lot of things that we just don't know about. And one of those is that CO2 levels are currently at, at really uh, comparatively historically near uh, historic low levels uh, compared to what it all is, has been throughout Earth's history. Uh, we're at 420 parts per million. The average throughout Earth's history has been, to get this, over 2,600 parts per million, wow. six and a half times what they are today. Uh, and so what we're seeing are, and the new book that I've got out, A Very Convenient Warming, it, it details how beneficial both warming and more CO2 are having uh, on the Earth's echoes. By almost every metric you look at, Earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering, and humanity's benefiting from warming and more CO2, completely opposite of what you're being told. Uh, probably the greatest benefit we're seeing, it's not probably, the best, the big, biggest benefit we're seeing is just record-breaking crop growth year after year after year, country after country, from the warmest to the coldest, are benefiting from warming and more CO2. Uh, I capture that in my book. I look at the top eight crops in the world by tonnage that are produced. All eight of those, it's really stunning. Again, are just breaking records year after year after year after year. It's from you know, it's just warming. We're, we're in a 300-year warming trend. So we're in a warming trend. I admit that. Yes, climate's changing. It's getting warmer. Uh, but again, history tells us warmth and the warm periods were always beneficial. Uh, great empires rose up and humanity benefited. You wrote uh, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Was Al Gore's crusade what caused you to, I mean, what did you start seeing things and realizing that this is wrong information, whether it's uh, uh, deliberately wrong or mistakenly wrong? What, when did you realize that this information was, uh, was wrong? Oh, I've been, I've been looking at this for some years, and it was really, it was in 2015 finally that uh, uh, I, I took forced early retirement. And I had the time on my hands finally to look at myself and look into this myself. And as a geologist, I knew some of what we were being told was just incorrect. I suspected other things were. And the result of my search, it was my own personal search for the truth. And the result of that was uh, the book Inconvenient Facts. It's been a uh, number one bestseller off and on for a uh, better part of seven years now. And it's been, it was hugely well received. Um, and so what I found, frankly, and angered me, uh, the things that were being told time after time, increasing fires, increasing size of deserts, uh, uh, islands are going to be overwhelmed by, by rising sea levels. Each one of those I looked at and found out they were false. Uh, and, and again, that, that drove me to, to write Inconvenient Facts. And recently we've evolved here at the CO2 Coalition myself. Into, it's, we're gone beyond there is no climate crisis. Clearly, clearly, there is no climate crisis. But we take it a step further. We're seeing that humanity is benefiting greatly from modest warming and more CO2. And that's the way it looks. One of the favorite things I like to look at is the strong relationship between human history and temperature history. And we find that that in the past or the last several thousand years, going back to the first great civilizations. If you look, the Hittites, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, uh, these great civilizations all rose up during uh, the first of the great warming periods. It was, it was the Bronze Age, the Minoan Warm Period. Uh, life was good, food was bountiful, and then it started getting cold. 
and all of those great empires and civilizations collapsed within maybe 50 or 100 years. And it was because it got cold, crops failed, famine set in, and they had mass depopulation. And it was due to the cold. And we see that repeated time and time again uh, during the Roman warm period. Life was good, food was bountiful, and then it got cold, and that led to the Dark Ages, many centuries of just misery and poverty, beyond poverty. Uh, and so it's History tells us that we should fear the cold and welcome the warmth. That's what history tells us. And so we're, we're warming and we're seeing the benefits of it. Uh, again, the biggest, the biggest thing you can look at is agriculture. Now, one of the other things we're told, uh, everyone listening to this program right now, I'm sure they've heard stories of, well, the islands in the Pacific and yeah. the Caribbean will be underwater right. uh, within a few decades. Well, well, okay, but let's look at the in the for the UN. They're the island nation. They say is most at risk are the Maldives. All right, the highest point of the Maldives are fourteen feet above sea level. Okay, well, it stands to reason. Yeah, it wouldn't take too much water to put them uh, underwater. But, but think about this: as a geologist, I looked at it fifteen thousand years ago. The Maldives were also just above sea level, and in the last fifteen thousand years, sea level has risen four hundred feet. Why are those islands not under 400 feet of water, you might, you might ask yourself. Yeah. And it's because of a geologic process known as accretion. These islands actually grow as the sea level rises. It's, it, it's a natural geologic process. What is it called again? Uh, it, accretion. Accretion. A-C-C-R-E-T-I-O-N. Accretion. And what it does, storms bring nearshore gravels and sands up onto the, up onto the island and and it grows. It's a slow process, but, but geology is a slow process. Uh, all, these, all these islands have all experienced that four, same 400 feet of sea level rise. And if you listen to what they're telling you, at, at the same sea level rise as what we've had for the last century, by mid-20th century, by 2050, it will have risen two inches, barely to your ankles. Well, so what they're telling you is, well, uh, the Maldives didn't get put underwater, and these islands weren't underwater uh, from 400 feet of sea level rise. But that next two inches, look out! <laughs> Can and, you, and it, it, that's what crazy it is. We're talking to uh, Gregory Wrightstone. He has written a, a new book called "A Very Inconvenient Warming: How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity." Um, can we, in your opinion, can we as a species, humans, can we change or can we destroy this climate if we wanted to? It'd be pretty difficult. Uh, and you can look at, uh, now let, let's be clear, I do believe that carbon dioxide is increasing. I believe that carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas and has a warming effect on the atmosphere. It just does. It's just not very great. And it's overwhelmed by the same natural forces that have been driving temperatures up and down for well, since the dawn of time. Um, and so can we do anything to greatly affect the climate? Uh, I, it's beyond me to see how that would occur. Uh, we know we can do things that will harm the environment, and we've done that. We've, we've done them over the last several centuries. Right. Uh, but, but if you look, uh, in, especially in the United States, our air and water are cleaner today, uh, probably than they've been in 150 or 200 years. And they're getting better every year. So we should keep doing those things. So, you know, I, I like a clean environment. Yeah. Uh, and, and our air, again, is, is cleaner than it's been in likely 250 years. Wow. Um, let's get into the we, 
I, the obvious things are the whys, I think, more than anything. Um, we can somehow uh, control human behavior. Uh, you know, governments and such can control human behavior, can uh, mandate certain things. Uh, do you believe that it, there's any honest effort to do, the, the things that are doing now? Like, you know, states like California, no gas cars after 2035. And, um, uh, you know, they've no, you can't even get a, a gas powered lawnmower out there these days uh, because of that. Are they done? It's, are they done? Are the people making these decisions, have they bought? the what what climate alarmists are selling or is it just a just out of control just to control human well, behavior well it is it is it is going to be a controlling of all almost every aspect of your life uh have they bought into it some have because they just don't know any, they haven't heard anything different because people like me the scientists that dispute this and provide the science the facts and the data against a, a climate crisis are, are silenced uh, and they need to shut us up, and they're doing it very effectively. Uh, so, uh, but we just saw last week again uh, the Biden administration getting slapped down uh, by the Supreme Court, really, uh, with calling it an overreach uh, with the with the uh, Department of Energy's new regulations for uh, home regulations on your washing machine, on your dryer. Uh, we've already seen how uh, your toilet. Uh, flow has been restricted, so you have to flush the toilet twice. Or in our case, in our in our dishwasher uh, south of Tampa, we we often have to run it twice because you know the, the low flow restriction uh, doesn't allow you to get the dishwasher dishes clean. Or a flow restrictor on your on your shower head. Yeah. I just had a a new shower head installed uh, a couple months ago at my apartment here in Virginia. Uh, and it just dribbled out. And my son-in-law showed up, and he knocked out. He found three flow restrictors in that shower. <laughs> and, that, man, I tell you, he knocked those babies out. And, man, it's a powerful, powerful shower. Yeah, and, that's the first uh, thing I they do. Don't want you, they don't want you to have that. They want to control every aspect of your life, and they're doing it pretty well. Um, 72 people have died so far in this Arctic blast. Have you ever heard of such a, uh, a high number of deaths from a heat wave? I mean, we had one of the hottest, so they say. Uh, years on on record uh, of this that you know in the past summer, uh, I, but but yet you know uh, this danger of climate change has yet to rear its head. I don't see a bunch of the bodies aren't piling up from the heat, um, uh, and, and everywhere you read, if you bother to read, more people die of extreme cold every year all over the globe than ever die of, of extreme heat issues. Um, yeah, that, that's but, right. There's. The largest study of its kind was done by Antonio, Dr. Antonio Gasparini and a team of, of physicians. They looked at 74 million temperature-related deaths around the globe, uh, and their conclusion uh, was that 20 times as many people die due to cold as due to heat. Mm -hmm. uh, another study was 15 times as many. And so what we find is, again, we're being told just the opposite, aren't we? We're being told that uh, we need to watch, be careful, because... Uh, CO2-driven warming uh, is leading to unusual and unprecedented warming, and we're just not seeing that. We've seen the United States, the heat waves, and the highest temperatures peaked 90 years ago, back in the Dust Bowl era of the of the 20s and 30s, at low CO2 levels. You know, why was it hot then? It wasn't CO2. Uh, the, these were natural forces that were driving this. Uh, so we don't we don't see that. We're doing state and regional studies. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm right now. I'm I just finishing up Wyoming's 
study there. We'll be traveling to Wyoming to speak to the legislatures, legislators in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're doing events all across Wyoming. Uh, we've done this for, for Virginia, for Pennsylvania, working on Texas and Arkansas. Uh, we'll get to Florida at some point. Uh, but uh, it's it's been what we see is we're disputing this notion of, of unusual and unprecedented warming. In fact, we, we can look back and see the other warming periods. For example, the, the medieval warm period, which is the time we remember the Vikings were living on, on Greenland and thriving right. uh, because it was much warmer. Uh, they were growing in the Roman warm period, for example. Uh, the Ro- Romans were growing citrus in the north of England near Hadrian's Wall. We can't do that today. Wow. And in the first great warming period that I talked about before during the Bronze Age, they were growing a crop called millet in Scandinavia. Well, you can't. You can only grow millet in subtropical and tropical areas. So you know those, those other warm periods had to have been a lot warmer than they are today. Yeah, uh, people understand this. This when you talk about history of things like that, they go, "Oh yeah, it had to be. It had to have been a lot warmer." Um. When we talk about uh, warming periods, and, and these are phenomenons, you know, that I hadn't heard that Romans grew citrus in northern England and things of that nature. But um, what is is there human activity? Or activity related to human survival that uh, that causes CO two to fluctuate at all from farming to cow farts to <clears throat> and if anything oh, what, sure. what does make oh, sure. what what causes fluctuation? Yeah, well, well the, the increase in CO two that we're seeing now uh, again before the industrial revolution we were at two hundred and eighty parts per million two eighty I'm only going to give you two numbers here two eighty parts per million before before the industrial revolution we're at four twenty today. That means we've seen a 50% increase, and it's due to our emissions. It's mainly burning fossil fuels. About 6% of it is limestone uh, manufactured, believe it or not. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're responsible for that, uh, that increase in carbon dioxide. Uh, and we should I'm okay with that because CO2 uh, is what we call the miracle molecule, our our unofficial motto here is we love CO2 and so should you uh, because it's leading to huge benefits across uh, ecosystems. Uh, and again, turbocharging plant growth and crop growth. Uh, I'm, again, I'm, these are things we should celebrate. I know I read somewhere, maybe you could confirm that well, there's more acres, acreage of forest uh, in America uh, than there were in the 20s. Was that Absolutely. True? Yep. Is that a yes. good thing? I hear now some some climate alarmists are saying sure. we got too many trees. We got to cut down some trees. We got too many of them. <laughs> they, it depends what day you listen to. Yeah. They, they're, they're changing it. You know, just wait wait long enough, they'll go completely opposite of what they're saying. Today. Right. right. Uh, or look back twenty years and see what they were saying. Oh no no no, we're we're being told uh, that we're experiencing deforestation. Just the opposite. We're experiencing reforestation, and we are where we are losing forests. A lot of it. Is, is due to their pursuit of so-called green energy and renewables. Uh, they're cutting down hundreds of thousands of trees in Scotland, clearing the way for wind turbine, industrial-scale wind turbine. Uh, I don't call them farms. I call them uh, just huge. It's a blight on the landscape. Sure is. Uh, they're, they're paving over uh, thousands of square miles to put up solar panel facilities. Uh, they're, they're, they've cut down... Uh, huge amounts of, of mature trees in North Carolina uh, to turn them into wood pellets and ship them to the United Kingdom. And that's considered biofuel and green energy. Uh, 
So apparently we have to destroy the environment in order to save it. It is. You know, the, the, what worries me a lot as well, Gregory, uh, is the psychological effect that it's had on, you know, we've got kids waking up in the middle of the night screaming, having a nightmare because they're, the world's on fire because we've they've been, it's been pounded into their head, uh, this, you know, this climate change, climate change. What what uh, does the next generation hold? I mean, what's going to, what will, will this still be afflicting them? And will the, can we expect this? Because when I was... Growing up, it was a global cooling. There was a coming ice age, and then there was a hole in the ozone. That was a problem. Now you got global warming. What's the next psychological torture? Well, I, I think people are coming. I'm very optimistic about what we're doing, where we're headed. Uh, I think people are waking up to this to this climate change hoax. And uh, not that climate change is not real. It is. Uh, but the hoax is this, this idea of a climate crisis. And we're doing something to teach children. Uh, we've launched uh, the CO2 Learning Center. You could go to CO2LearningCenter.com. Uh, we've got a, a team of experts we've put together that have done science-based books. They're comic books done manga style. Uh, and we have videos also. These are science-based videos and books. And more importantly, we have lesson plans that go along with them. Ah. That if, if you're a homeschooler, or your grandchildren are being homeschooled, or you know somebody that is, go to co2learningcenter.com, and you can download those for free, those those lesson plans. Um, co2learningcenter.com. co2learningcenter.com. You'll be amazed. Uh, the kids just love, particularly the videos are great. Uh, they're captivating. All right. I, uh, I can't wait to see it. Let me ask you, Greg, Gregory, uh, when they say consensus, consensus, there's obviously, I mean, I don't know if they could call it a consensus. I heard that there's a group of up to 1,500 prominent scientists and uh, climatologists that did not, did not agree with the narrative. What, what are, are they, I mean, science is about, you know, continue to, continuing to discover and, and, uh, and document things. Uh, it's ever evolving. Why have so many scientists just stopped on this and just agreed, shook hands, go, hey, we're we're on board. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're we're you know, is it is there pressure being put on them for some reason, or or something well, else? Well, they're gonna if if you're still a a, a publishing, if you're in the uh, academic world and you're still publishing, you're gonna lose your funding. We've seen it time uh. and time again. You're not gonna get funded if you're gonna present the true facts, anything that might dispel this notion of a climate crisis. Uh, so you lose your funding. We've seen time and again uh, professors uh, walking away or being fired from their positions uh, because they're, 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 they're stating the truth. We saw it with Dr. Peter Ridd in Australia who told, dared to tell the truth about the Great Barrier Reef or Susan Crockford in Canada who was fired from her position because she told the truth of the growing polar bear population. Uh, we see it time and time again. People they have to silence people like that. Um, and and they're when I, I just hired a new research associate here, and I made it very clear. I said if you're if you're going to come to work for us, you're never going to be able to go back because you'll be you'll be tainted. And he says no, I've learned. In fact, he was in the carbon capture uh, science business, and he was promoting carbon capture until he he read. Our book, it was called really? uh, Challenging Net Zero, and he got in touch with me, and he ended up, he quit his job. He says, I can't do it, and now he's he's uh, working full-time. I said, well, I'm going to rescue this guy, a wonderful, brilliant 
got a PhD in chemical engineering, and um, and so that's what we do. We bring these these great scientists on board because uh, the CO2 Coalition, and that's CO2Coalition.org, by the way. Uh, some of the top scientists in the world. We just John Clauser, the current Nobel laureate in physics, just we brought him onto our board. Uh, and, and my new book, though, has been it's just published last week. Oh, good. Uh, you, a very convenient to... warming. It's called A Very Convenient Warming, How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity. Is it uh, everywhere? Or I would imagine a book like this might not be just, available. Just on uh, Amazon. Okay. Just, uh, I believe, Friday was up. And uh, if you want to buy it from my website, the website is convenientwarming.com, convenientwarming.com. Uh, you can buy it directly there. Uh, go look at it. You can see my uh, some of, some of my top interviews with Candace Owens, who I loved the first book and kind of took me under her wing. She's great. Um, oh yeah, one and just a lovely lady. Yeah. Just as nice as as she might appear on, uh, unless you disagree no, with her strongly. I, yeah, yeah. If you disagree with her a little bit, you hate her instantly. <laughs> these yeah, days, you know? you do. Gregory Wrightstone yeah. is the author, geologist. Uh, the book is called A Very Convenient Warming, How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity. You can get it at Amazon or you can get it at convenientwarming.com. And please check out co2learningcenter.com and you get some lesson plans there and uh, maybe save your kids from indoctrination. Gregory, I appreciate your time. This has been good. All right, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Good luck. Uh, yeah, go to convenientwarming.com, co2learningcenter.com, or co2coalition.org. All right. <clears throat> A Democratic Socialist Party running out of money. <laughs> Weird. It's almost like they don't know what to do with money. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, I'll get to the, uh, newspaper story. They've been, uh, if a bad story is coming out about you, you, the only way to stop it is to make sure no one can read it, right? Grab a handful of quarters and a pickup truck and roll around town and empty those machines. Hang on. It's the Shannon Burke show on the Florida man radio network. I'm going to be I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled when I see the real battles our brave paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom. I was on a routine patrol. And uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. We are strong, and we'll get through this together. But these are stressful times. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, and know that you are not alone. Visit wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Donnellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. County, Colorado, the nearly every single copy of the Oray County Plain Dealer, <clears throat> the newspaper there, were stolen from the newspaper racks on the same day that it published an article about charges brought against three men for felony sexual assault. They allege... Uh, charges uh, relate to alleged rapes that occurred at an underage drinking party 
held at the police chief's house. Hmm, I wonder who was going by stealing all those papers. Every cop on the beat. <laughs> you, you better not come back with a full. Uh, you better not if you didn't come back with a, without a full trunk of pa- newspapers. There was a l- weird f- bonfire behind the police station too. Yeah. The uh, the uh, paper's co-owner and publisher is going to uncover the persons or persons responsible for this theft. Uh, if you hope to silence or intimidate us, you failed miserably. We'll find out who did this, and another press run of the story is imminent. Uh, it's removed its a website paywall to allow people to read the charges brought against the three men, aged 17, 18, and 19. By Thursday evening, a garbage bag full of newspapers was returned to the plane dealer. Somebody found it, and they got about $2,000 in donations from supporters. Uh, the sheriff has uh, confirmed they identified a suspect, they, they've confirmed that the suspect is neither a member nor a relative of local law enforcement and was not known to be associated with the defendants of the recent reported sexual assault. So you see, there's really just a weird coincidence. Yeah, it's the uh, newspaper bandit. You can buy every once in a while. Uh, the timing of the theft has raised questions about whether it was committed to suppress the publication of the charges. Hmm. I guess so not a lot of people in the Ure, uh, uh, Ure County, Colorado, or Ure County, I might be saying it wrong, don't get on the internet so much. Now's a good time. They're trying to control the news. Uh, speaking of controlling the news, Musk was, uh, you know, he went to Auschwitz with Ben Shapiro amidst all the, I don't know. Talk about anti-Semitism on the rise and and, and on X and other places. And so he was at the European Jewish Association after touring Auschwitz, and he had a a lot to say about the truth. Newspapers in America, there are about five editors that decide what what gets put on the front page or what what to focus on or what not to focus on. And most most of the other papers just copy them, essentially. So, but is that really what we want? Do we want just a handful of people deciding what that, what they think is important, or uh, or should it be that the people decide what's important? And I think it should be um, sort of an organic thing where the people decide what's important and what to focus on, not just a handful of editors. Um, and. Uh, yeah, they don't like the fact that, the, that this power has been taken away from them, but I think it should be. I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier, talking about the idea that on a moral level, uh, you know, the there's nothing that suggests that that simple weakness is itself virtue. That a weak person can be virtuous, but doesn't necessarily mean that they are. Ah, bench press going to go on and on. on. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Uh, very quickly, uh, go run through this whole. Here's a, a slower talking Elon Musk. Now, now, you know, one, one, one can, it's, it's difficult to get to perfect truth, and sometimes people have different interpretations of truth, but one can, can always aspire to be as accurate as possible and to minimize the, the error between what is being said and reality. Um, so, um, relentless pursuit of the truth. Um, is, is, is the goal with with uh, with 
is dead. And, and allowing people to hmm. say what they want to say, even if it's controversial, provided it provided that it does not break the law. That's it. <clears throat> I'm trying to think, is there another uh, platform that, 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 that you, you know, that can't or isn't or not allowing certain speech to be, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're, we're still being censored somewhere. I mean, I think I mean, there's still, no matter what, there's a little bit of censoring across the board. The question is, uh, how free uh, speech do you want everything to be? I mean, how how free uh, do you want uh, images on there that you're like, okay, uh, uh, or people making just outlandish statements? Yes, they can say those things. Uh, when do they become harmful to a company? It is when the question those those happen. Uh, there's always a weird. What do you mean? Like uh, I said, I saw a rat in a salad bar somewhere, and I didn't. Yeah, I mean that could be harmful, even though that's free speech, and also that really doesn't hurt any anybody but that business. But you made that statement and could actually put someone's livelihood in danger. It's okay, is that the kind of speech you want to ban? No, I, I, again, I don't think there should be it. I'm honestly on there where I see Twitter and I've we, seen we ate a, a, a water burger after we saw a damn yeah. cockroach crawl through the menu board. I mean, but <laughs> you have to find where people's where people's limit is, and for a profit business that those are they have to kind of find those spots and elon is still searching for where he thinks that exact spot is so i do think there is some censoring going on still uh i i don't because i have the ability to just move on in my life what do you mean move on from what well if i see a tweet that is awful or horrendous or i don't believe what the person says i can scroll i can immediately scroll i can mute i can delete and i do it all the time and it just i move on with my life um, I, I, I see more, uh, widely varying uh, ideas and opinions on X than anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's no other format. I don't think, I mean, it's the last bastion of the, uh, of true, free speech in my opinion and i get a kick out of it because i still I, I allow the following of all the uh what i consider the the top end democratic shills you you've seen the picture of them on the white house and they've got the numbers by and every one of them you can tell and i still look at all those and i follow those but yeah. almost 90 percent of those now have turned it to only people i follow can comment so oh, they yeah they don't hear their from own you. little echo chamber yes. on their own little part of x yeah they don't because wanna... one they weren't getting they those were all the same ones that were like oh join me over on threads He's over on threads. Okay, <laughs> join me on Blue Sky. Nobody's on Blue Sky. All right, Mastodon. That. All right, nobody's on Mastodon. So they came back, and all they did was they just shut their own little echo chamber. Uh, Mueller, she she wrote, is one of those ones. Yes. That all, and literally shut off. Only comments can be people that they approve. They follow them, right? Yeah. That's that's the way to shut. That's the way to lock yourself in a in a, in a bubble right there. But that's fine though, right? If they don't, if they don't have the balls to, you know, to have that exchange, that's the coward's way of using that platform. <clears throat> Shut off all the comments. Then you're always right every time, and the, the only only thing you read is people go, "Yeah, we're with you. Mm-hmm, yeah. We agree." Um, 
There's a uh, problem at Harvard. <clears throat> I, I, this is almost difficult to, to uh, believe, but it's true. <clears throat> they ha- have a new anti-Semitism task force. Um, and, you know, to fight the anti-Semitism that's uh, uh, boiling away over there. And its co-chair is a fellow by the name of Derek Penzler. Oh, wait, yeah. Uh, uh, and by Harvard professor named today by interim president Alan Garber is a co-chair of the anti-Semitism task force. Penzler uh, has written things like uh, and published things. Uh, elephant in the room letter about Israel that used the word apartheid three times in eight paragraphs accused Israel of intending to, quote, ethnically cleanse all territories under Israeli rule of their Palestinian population, demand from elected leaders in the United States that they restrict American military aid from being used in the occupied Palestinian territories. He also, at a a Weatherhead Forum event said that settler colonialism is a very important for analytical purposes in looking at Israel. There's evidence that the number of dramatically overstates the number of refugees, blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> he wrote... He wrote a book called Zionism, an emotional state. He blames Israel for the fact that some people hate it. it says that Israel's disposition of Palestinians... From their land and oppression of those who remain have made it one of the most disliked countries on the planet. He writes, veins of hatred run through Jewish civilization. In medieval and early modern Europe, where Jews lived as a small and often persecuted minority, Jewish culture was steeped in fantasies and occasionally acts of vengeance against Christians. The book, the whole book feels is about faulting Israel and the American Jewish community uh, uh, for hatred. And he is now the co-chair of the anti-Semitism. Maybe he's the guy that, they, that he really knows anti-Semitism when he hears it. You know, they go, oh, yeah, that's that's like the book I wrote. Yeah, that's anti-Semitism. Yeah, they just uh, they come in there and they run it through past him. And he goes, I like that. They go, okay, that's anti-Semitic. Get rid of that. <laughs> Looks good to me. Yeah, toss that one out. That's not good at all. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, you can't have an anti-Semitism group without an anti-Semite. Why not? Well, but yeah, maybe you because you, you'd be accused of um, discriminating against anti-Semitism or anti-Semites. The Democratic Socialists of America, um, they're in trouble financially. These are the guys that have been um, leading protests against Israel, uh, you know, over the retaliation in Gaza. They'll cut 500000 from staff-related uh, uh, expenses, explore initiating layoffs. <laughs> the, uh, if necessary, will implore to uh, explore initiating layoffs according to the union's contract. The situation appears to be a case of an organization that's just I mean, they 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 seek the uh, working class clashing with reality. It's what they see here, and they're now they are forced to balance a budget, and like the rest of America has to, <laughs> and they you know that's not in their pro. They're looking for utopia here. Yeah, the government's supposed to give them that money, right? 
They're in a financial crisis. Staff-related costs account for 58% of their expenditures and 72% of their project projected income. Well, I think uh, maybe you're seeing less donations because people don't normally like to give money to anti-Semitic groups. Right? Uh, maybe that's the normal. Yeah. Whoops. Bunch of socialists going broke. Um, there seems to be a bit of a double standard in the media. when it Well, uh, especially when it comes to... Uh, they recently, <clears throat> in an event in North Carolina, <clears throat> Biden did a big gaffe. It went unreported, like most of them do. He asked for... Con- we talked about the congresswoman who he professed to have just taken a photo with, only to realize that she was back in D.C., uh, and nobody talks about it. In contrast, a similar slip-up by Trump, he's talking about the events of January 6th, was widely reported in major news outlets uh, during his visit in New Hampshire. He appeared to confuse Nancy Pelosi with Nikki Haley, another prominent female. You know, you know her. The discrepancy has led to accusations uh, of media bias, of course, because they, they everyone, they, they said, is he losing his mind? He, he's a total, uh, is he, uh, you know, he's made a, a, a big guffaw here, and uh, he may be mentally, uh, you know, ill-prepared and unfit to run the country. <clears throat> and there's something every time Biden opens his mouth, it's, it's with such, it's either the same old story but he's told a thousand times that have been proven untrue every time he reiterates them. Yeah, we got the uh, the oil falling from the sky and uh, Delaware story this past week. Got to turn on the windshield wipers. Uh, and his, I mean, this is the second time that he said he's taken hand, uh, taken picture, or shook hands with a person that's not there. Either they're dead or they're not even right. in a state with them. <laughs> That's a problem. <clears throat> and, and they ignore things like <clears throat> he is, well, you'll see this all the time, where he's just, he's kind of got his hands up and his arms out, and he's, uh-huh, and he's looking around. He's, he's disoriented of where he is and what he's doing. And that is a, like one of the very first blatantly obvious signs of cognitive decline. Can't even talk about it now. You know, you can't talk about Biden's mental acuity. Staff denies it. They go the opposite way. Oh, he's the smartest man. Man, he's the smartest guy in the world. And he's mm-hmm. got yeah. so much energy. I mean, I don't know where he gets it all. Yeah, all that time that you see, uh, well, what's that, three weeks now? I think he's not really had a day past like noon uh, unless yeah. he's had a late event. Call a late at uh, uh, 11. Yeah, it's because afternoon he does Rubik's Cubes all day long. They just <laughs> a room. It's all nothing but Rubik's Cubes. Uh, yeah, yesterday from noon to five, he sold 7,000 of them. That's how uh, mentally acute he really is. Uh, yeah. Well, it's going to be an interest. Int- well, he's not going to campaign, so we'll see. The uh, <laughs> Washington Democrats in Washington State. This is another putting an anti-Semite on the Harvard Board of Anti-Semitism. <laughs> The Washington State Democrats there are trying to add they they are trying to add a sex offender to help them. Uh, this is a board of, of members that uh, 
advise on sentencing for sex offenders. And they believe that a perspective of a convicted sex offender is invaluable to the work they're doing. They introduced a bill that would name, rename the Sex Offender Policy Board to the Sex Offense Policy Board, subsequently add a convicted uh, sex offender to the group. Because, you see, the sex offender would contribute their lived experiences that support the bill, uh, that supporters of the bill say this invaluable. One representative with the experience of incarceration for sex offenses, appointed by the chair of the sex offense policy and approved by the majority vote of the board's voting membership, will have a spot on the board. Here's the... Here's exactly what he's going to say. Oh, it's horrible when you're a sex offender and you go to prison and uh, you they you're raped repeatedly or it's awful treatment and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm lucky to have survived it, which will they'll turn into lighter sentences, uh, you know, uh, minimum security, if any, any sentence at all, really, maybe a little county time. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, uh, I like Tether's idea of putting uh, families of people, of people, kids that have been sexually offended onto the board as the other side of it or or or, or adult an adult who was a, yeah. a childhood victim of sex uh of a sex offense they're working to officially incorporate the viewpoint of a convicted sex offender into their work wow i mean that's a that's a policy that kind of prioritizes the right of the offender over the right of the community or the right of the victim. It's a weird choice because, of course, he's going to go in there and go, oh, no, that's too heavy of a sentence. No, that's too heavy of a sentence. Yeah. I, I've lived it. It's too heavy of a sentence. Why, why do we have this guy here? He's going to tell us everything is too much. Um, they, they say this could be a level three offender. That's the worst dangerous sort of offender. That's an advocate, really, for a sex offender. Uh, Yeah, I'm surprised they're not going to make him actually the head of the board. I mean, what really could you get from that? Oh, bring him in. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in other states, you can be uh, you can be executed now for being a sex offender, child sex offender. Yeah. Uh, No, no, no. Can't do that. No, no, can't do that. He'd be on the board with at least one victim of a sex crime. Uh, lady, the Tamara Simmons or Tara Simmons, the state rep that proposed the bill, says the legislator should be diverse. Ah, uh, in her opinion, includes ex-convicts. This board was established for the purpose of conducting case reviews of sex offender case and policy positions. I mean, it's like this state and others have been, California as well, working to make life easier for sex offenders. In 2021, Washington State uh, Democrats passed legislation that allowed the state to more easily release violent sexual predators across the state. You know, and they don't really care. That's a weird <clears throat> I, I, where does that, when did that flip? What, that we're supposed to be protecting the sex offenders now? 
Yeah, uh, where we were so, uh, look, I, okay, I get it. If you're sentenced or whatever, you're uh, accused of a crime, you have rights, you have, uh, and if you're imprisoned as part of your your punishment, you also have rights. You can't be, you know, treated this way unfairly and, and inhumanely and all of that ni- nonsense. Okay, but the, they're on the books. The laws are on the books. Right. They were voted. Right. Huh. Uh, they were passed. Uh, the legislation was done. Those were decisions on it. Uh, you can't bring in a guy that... Uh, that's like bringing in bank robbers to tell you if the bank robbing sentencing is too high. Right. And, and yeah, why would you bring in a criminal at all to talk about a sentence for for a convicted criminal? Because I'm I'm sure he's going to try to say he's uh, oh I'm a map uh, I I can't uh, I just can't uh, do anything about it uh, they uh, it's a it's a sickness I I can't handle myself. I mean. Can this guy even attend the meetings? Is this place within a thousand yards of a school? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to go to that. He's going to be like, oh, I can't go to church because of that. Right. I can't give out candy on Halloween. It's unfair. People keep putting signs in my yard. <laughs> yeah, that's... The last thing we should be asking is the opinion of the criminals. I agree. Unless you're like the FBI and you want to understand how their mind works so you can, you know, trap other scumbags like that. That's what they ought to be doing with the sex offender is, is talk to this convicted sex offender. Say, what, why are, what made you want to molest? What is your problem? Not how rough was it for you in prison, poor sex offender? Were they mean to you? That's, that's, that's. An extension of no bail BS, you know? That's even worse. When we re- uh, return, we'll get to your remarks. Um, Chinese scientists say they have developed a battery that'll make a cell phone. <clears throat> You'd never have to charge for 50 years. And a drone that would last forever. Boy, the government spy state's going to be just awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it next. <clears throat> uh, stick around. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'll be honest. The first few months were tough. When I left the military, I was excited for a fresh start. But civilian life has been harder than I thought it would be. Figuring out a new career while also being a good mom, wife, and friend. Some days I'm barely keeping my head above water. And with the transition and everything I'm juggling, I'm spread too thin. I finally realized that it's hurting my mental health. To get back to enjoying life again, I needed to get help. Opening up to someone was a big step for me. I I saw that I'm not alone and that there are tools to help me overcome what I'm going through. With support, I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. Discover how other women veterans like me have learned to thrive after military service by taking care of themselves and their mental health. Visit maketheconnection.net slash women veterans. The Committee to Unleash Prosperity report. Have you read anything about this? I have not. 
So uh, they break down people in this country and into elites and super elites and just normal people. So uh, elites are people that have a a, a degree, uh, a master's. Super elites are have, have two masters or a PhD. They're more super educated. Um, and and looked at the difference of opinion and opinions conserving <clears throat> things like individual freedom, and it's quite telling. <laughs> to fight climate, here's a question: <clears throat> to, to fight climate change, would you favor banning each of the following? Gas stoves, elites, 69%. Yep, ban them. Super elites, 80%. Yeah, but those are the ones who have gas stoves. You and I, only 25%. Um, Gas-powered cars are similar. 72% of elites, 81% of super elites, 24% of normal people. Non-essential travel, 55% of elites, 70% of super elites, 22% of us. Banning SUVs, 58% of elites, 66% of super elites, yes, banning SUVs, or they're for it, 16% of normal people are. The right to private air conditioning. (laughs) Private air conditioning? Yes. Well, like being told when you can use it. 53% of elites agree with it, 68% of of, uh, super elites, and 13% of normal people. 70% 70% of elites trust the government to do the right thing most of the time. More than twice the nationwide average. Among the most politically active members of the elite, that figure rises to uh, the super elites to 89%. Do you approve of the job Joe Biden is doing? Who could say they approve of the job Joe Biden is doing? Mm. People crossing the border? L 84% of elites do. And 44% of voters do. If you had a choice between a candidate who said that teachers and other education professionals should decide what students are taught, and a candidate that said parents need more control, for whom would you choose? Um... Voters, uh, voters, 45% say candidates who say parents. Elites say the candidate who said teachers and professionals. And the big Ivy League people, 71% say teachers, professionals. <clears throat> I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. The people you think are the smartest, most educated are truly uh, not. Well... Also, they're the most out of touch, too. That's true. I think that when you're talking super elites, uh, they're going to go, yeah, I'll ban, you can ban my gas stove. And, but nobody goes, hey, but uh, your private chef, he cooks everything on your gas stove. Oh. Uh, the oh, government's doing a great job. Yeah, because the government doesn't mess with you because you're, <laughs> uh, you're a super elite. Super In fact, wealthy. all they do is they come by and uh, uh, try to uh, give you a side piece every once in a while so you'll give them more money. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, favorable or unfavorable view uh, Unfavorable view of each of the following? <clears throat> Lawyers. 
Super Leach, 91% super uh, favorable. 49% of voters. Union leaders, 86% of elites. 43% find it favorable of voters. Do you find journalists favorable? 84% of elites find journalism journalists favorable. 44% of normal people do. Members of Congress, 86% of a favorable view of members of Congress, uh, voters only 28%. Are your personal finances getting better or worse? Uh, For voters, 40% say worse, 40% say better, 20% say about the same. Elites, 74% better. Ivy League grads and super elites, 88% say their finances are better. Most Americans suffered a loss of real take-home pay. 74% of elites say they're financially better off. Um, Nearly 6 in 10 say they're too much individual freedom. 6 in 10 of elites say they're... Too much individual freedom. Double the rate of all Americans. More than two-thirds favor rationing of energy and food resources to combat the threat of climate change. Yeah, again, it doesn't affect them in any way. That's the same uh, Zuckerbergs of the world that'll say, oh, yeah, they should have a middle class that eats uh, less uh, beef and should have more vegetables and and bugs and stuff like that. Oh, how are my cows going on my ranch down the the way there? I'm growing my own wagyu cattle. I'll never have to eat store beef ever again. Uh, Well, must be nice to be an elite. Um, city of Beverly Hills is going to be, if you own a mansion there and you want to remodel, you know, maybe put a new pool in or a bigger pool or maybe add on to, a, you know, another 18 rooms or build a multi-car garage for your collection of sports cars. Well, you're not going to be able to do it. A judge has halted all of that in Beverly Hills. All of it. No residential developments, no issuing permits for residential renovations, no commercial developments, or any other kind of construction projects within the city of Beverly Hills. Why? Because Beverly Hills doesn't have enough affordable housing. This is truly the dumbest thing ever. Yes. That each neighborhood stupid. must have a certain amount of low rent housing. You know, or low income housing. Uh, the housing advocate group, Californians for Home Ownership, filed a suit against Beverly Hills, accusing the city of skirting the state rules. Uh, these laws have been around for years. For 50 years, California law requires cities to have a compliant affordable housing plan that spells out where housing for people at various income levels will be developed. (laughs) Yeah, really going to go over real great for all your people that live in Beverly Hills that are like, hey, yeah, can't put that new extension on your house, but we are going to put in a low-income housing right next door to you. Right. Well, hold on. 
let me say, let me fight for the richy rich people here. Couldn't they just say, well, we have quotas in our home for our staff. They're certainly low income. Will that qualify? Uh, if they find a way around uh, putting that zoning in there correctly. Um, they say that uh, Beverly Hills is a couple of years late coming up with an acceptable, affordable housing plan. Um, but the statement said, we're optimistic that the penalties imposed on the, by the court today will get the city on the right track toward adopting compliant housing element in early 2024. The city knows what it needs to do. Now it just needs to get it done. What does that mean? we got to build a low. I mean, they need... Uh, is there, first of all, is there any land to be developed in Beverly Hills? Oh, there's always land to be developed. Uh, but again, are you going to, uh, put it down? Let's say there's a couple, uh, older businesses down on Rodeo Drive that have now gone out of business and they can't now be destructed. They can't have any other construction done to them. So now you have to put in a, uh, section eight, uh, housing apartment in there. And because that's the only the thing, only thing you can put it in right now. Right. Yeah. On Rodeo Drive. You really think that's going to happen? Yeah, it ain't going to happen. Hey, well, they're... So the the easiest thing will happen will be uh, whatever movie stars, music stars, rich people that are there are going to go, well, I can't build here anymore and I can't do... Oh, well, I wonder how Florida's doing this time hey, of year. I guess I'll get the hell out of here. Yeah. They got mansions in Florida. That's just... I can't... Well... Look, you, you, you're part of the deal. You live there. You passed the law. You voted for it. Or you voted for somebody that voted for it. <laughs> Maybe tear down the Clampett's place and put, put it up there. <laughs> um, Army's using uh, Fortnite <laughs> to help recruit. <laughs> British Army recruiters are hosting a Fortnite session between a couple of Fortnite YouTube stars uh, to boost their Gen Z recruitment. I don't know how that does it, but... I mean, something. They're trying. But wait, maybe he ditched some of the woke stuff. I don't know if, the, if uh, Great Britain's that same. Is it the UK? Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, you can play um, video games during your time off. Let's get to remarks, shall we? From the Florida Man radio app and powered by Morganic Meats and Morris Family Farms, the app is the perfect way to filter through, um, you know, commercials, quite frankly. Uh, but you got to listen to the show late. All the archives are up. Take the entire station with you wherever you go and communicate with us. Down at the bottom is a microphone button. It's better than a phone call. Oh, that's way too loud. <laughs> Yay. Here we go. Hey, Shando, this is Joe, Nitro, West Virginia. Back in the mid-90s, I worked at Kroger, and we had a guy that would come in with his wife, take cartons of cigarettes, lift their child up out of the car seat and put the cigarettes behind them, then walk out with them. Until one day, I busted them as they were going outside. Got in a little tussle with the guy because he didn't want to give it up. And come to find out, he was the chief of police in a neighboring city. Wow. No paying out to, if he can't buy a carton of smokes. He didn't mention what the brand was. I'm guessing Winston 100s. Hey, it's Pete in Georgia. Everybody may have seen this already, but there's a meme on Facebook that I shared 
that says, I'm looking at it, it says, God is with you. Stand up for what you believe in, even if it means standing alone. Well, Facebook blurred it and put a graphic or violent content warning on it. I mean, how terrified is the left right now? (laughs) Everything. Look, I put up a uncooked, raw, 19.8-pound rib roast on Facebook, and they blurred that. It said it was it was uh, indecent or what? Raw meat. Yeah, I mean, it kind of looked like it. It was big enough to be human thighs. So, oh come <laughs> on, uh, they don't want people to see meat. Hey guys, uh, Nikki Haley versus Trump. Uh, New Hampshire is going to be the only place she has a chance to even come close because it's an open primary. And New Hampshire's full of a bunch of crazies that all uh, register as independents. So they'll be able to vote either way, including Democrats. Part of the reason the Democrats did not want a primary in New Hampshire is they knew this was an open primary and they wanted Democrats voting for anybody but Trump. So we'll see how close it is. But a lot of those voters are Democrats. Well, and Biden's not even in the ballot there. Really? Yeah. What's up, guys? We're right here. I think Trump, DeSantis, presidency will win in a landslide if he can get over his ego and make DeSantis his vice president. I think it's a sure win. Bidu, Bidu. I mean, I suppose it would be. I, I you know, I think it would. But if you were Governor DeSantis, which would you rather have? To continue to be the governor until 2028 and then run for president or hop on the Trump to, I don't know. Maybe, I, I, maybe he is the, that VP that, that, that without an incumbent for a 2028 race is the right one. Maybe. I, I don't see it. I think he comes back here and licks his wounds for a little while and he'll probably have, I would say by the end of the year, he'll have like two really strong legislations that he's going to try to push through that will get him his name back on there again. Hey, gang. I think Mike Pompeo is the gentleman we're looking for for a VP to Trump, and he'll make a good president for the next eight years after. He's stayed in the limelight with this uh, attorney group that uh, does a lot of stuff in our courts and in Israel's courts and stuff, the Justice League or something. But uh, I know Mike Pompeo was probably one of his first picks. I don't know. I like Mom, but excuse me. I like Mike Pompeo a lot. Um, he, my brother-in-law went to um, what's the military academy? Jesus, uh, West Point. Yeah, he went to West Point with him. He was his roommate, and we all thought he was going to run for twenty twenty four because he dropped like eighty pounds. You know, he's looking good. He made the TV circuit. I don't know. I don't know that he'd be interested either. I, plus, I don't know how much deep state stank that guy has on him. Or, you know, on himself. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm afraid these uh, violent attacks from these illegals is only going to get a lot worse. Someone was talking about that a lot of the cartels um, make loans to these people. And if they don't repay them, they will go and kill their families in their country of origin. So imagine how things are going to get when these people get desperate to repay this money. We need to start calling this what it is. It's not immigration. It's an invasion. Yep. That it is. Supreme Court just uh, said that Biden administration has the right to go down and remove any uh, 
border he, restrictions he's put up down there. And um, Amy Comey Barrett went along. Who else? Uh, Roberts. Roberts, yeah. <sighs> Great. Hey, Shannon, the ge- geologist was a good guest. Uh, you know, the, the thing, though, the one thing I wish you can get him back on the phone for a minute is carbon monoxide versus carbon dioxide. So when we exhale, right, carbon dioxide, leave a car running in the garage, carbon monoxide, that's going to kill you. So that's what the climate maniacs keep complaining about. Um, I don't know why the terms seem to be confused. It's, anyway. That's a great point. Good guest. Thank you. It is a great point because, you know, your SUV, oh, the CO2 levels. Well, CO2 doesn't come out of the SUV. Carbon monoxide does. It's because our carbon monoxide levels aren't that high. That They they look at the two and they go, uh, okay, you know, carbon monoxide, mm, those numbers aren't high enough to scare anybody. CO2 now, whoo, that's way up there. Mm. That's like when, you know, di- dihydrogen monoxide. Yeah. And people, you, you, you'll ask oh, my them, God. There's so much of it in the planet, it's destroying it. Hey, Shannon, great interview with that scientist. Finally, a guy who uh, tells the truth and knows what he's talking about. Unlike uh, the scientists that the Biden administration uses, all they do is lie. Be-do, be-do. One more point. The whole climate thing is... Hold on. Oh, yeah, same guy. Definitely a hoax because they keep hair on fire complaining about it's the hottest, worst year ever. Although every single time you watch the weather, the record is not the year prior or sometimes it's a couple of years prior or the year prior. But I would say nine out of ten times, the record is always 1933, Mm -hmm. 1957. I'm up in New Jersey now. It's been 16 degrees every day. It's miserable. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful. Thanks, man. Jerry from New Jersey. It's pronounced Uray. Uray. Thank you. <clears throat> hey guys, go figure. American Socialist Democrats running out of other people's money. Go figure. They don't have any of their own. It's always other people's money. Like all politicians, really. Shannon, I'm not sure if you're aware, but EZ is a bit of a prima donna when it comes to social media. I've tried to be friends with them on all kinds of platforms. Everybody tried the Facebook, everybody tried Discord, Patreon, even the Reddit. And everybody, so I got specific. Everybody figured maybe a singing, everybody eHarmony. He's a big guy for you wants to eat. Everybody grinder. Everybody high tech. Everybody being a board op, that gator. And then I even tried Jack. Everybody so we could work out. <laughs> uh, you're on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. I usually accept everybody. Misinformation art is really lies. It's about changing the language. You didn't suspend your campaign. That implies you're going to resume it. And a migrant implies you're going back. No, you're not going back. You're an illegal. Bidu bidu. Oh, yeah. An immigrant means you're coming in, but a migrant means you're leaving. Right? No, I mean, both of those terms, you've migrated to an area, you've immigrated to an area, means that you're staying there. You're just not, you're not visiting. Yeah. Oh, boy. To any sex offenders, you're more than welcome to join me in my hyperbaric chamber as long as you can tell me what you consider the 
wrong end of a pool stick. Yeah, that's a great idea. Put a pedo on a board besides criminal charges for pedos. Hmm. Well, I'm a grandpa of four beautiful girls and a father of two girls. And, uh, man, if I was ever even heard of a guy like that in my area, um, what's that saying? Uh, strange things happen to people who do bad stuff. Beat it, beat it. All, his, all the guy's going to do is shorten sentences. Yeah. He's not going to go in there and just say, uh, oh, yeah, that's Oh, that's good right. maximum. Yeah. yeah uh, maximum. Death penalty. Star Trek guy here. You guys nailed it again today. The elites and the super elites. These are the people I'm talking about. Not the people going home to a nice house and their family. The elites. They're the ones that are taxing us saying they can't pay us minimum wage so we can have a living. These are the people that are killing the middle and the bottom wage people. Be-do, be-do. The elites who think government are doing a great job is because they're part of the government. Yeah. And also with public education, they're thinking that's great, but none of their kids go to public schools. They all go to private schools. Be-do, be-do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, what does this mean? Well, once again, another masterful Florida man radio blend of fart jokes, environmental truth, and tactfully worded raunchy repartee <laughs> just to stay below FCC radar. <laughs> All that's left is a sprinkling of liberal Larry so we can completely dismantle <laughs> and debunk anything and everything that he, she says. <laughs> <laughs> I think the headline should be 23% of elites are not doing well under Joe Biden. <laughs> They're elites. Shouldn't they be doing well? <laughs> oh, that's funny. So hey, here's a guy. Yeah, I lived in New Hampshire for a long time. No sales tax, no income tax. Beat a beat I don't care which side of the park you're on. Uh, we love no tax. Peter Peter. Ben Carson is clearly the best selection for VP. IMO. If CO2 is so bad, how long before they force us to have CO2 detectors in our homes? Peter Peter. I have one. I mean, everybody should, actually. <laughs> hey, Shandu, just pulled in my garage, listening to the show. <laughs> uh, what'd that guy say about carbon monoxide being bad? Ah, <coughs> uh, that guy's funny. Invading. Yeah, okay, like you would be a good citizen in Mexico, stand in line and wait your turn to come over. Yeah, right. You'd be running across that border, too. I'm not I'm not a Mexican. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Star Trek guy here. I hate everybody who makes more money than me. Constitution says the vice president and president cannot be from the same state. 
uh, <clears throat> from the state in the same state, or uh, I think it's residing, living in the same state. Does does uh, Ben Carson live here? Oh, uh, DeSantis. Yeah, DeSantis. Yeah, but, uh, what is that? Trump changes the dress back to New York City, you know, boom. No, he might not be able to here in the future, but. Oh, because if you lose that lawsuit, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he won't be allowed to live there anymore. Uh, one more. <laughs> Star Trek guy here. <laughs> My boss makes more money than I do. <laughs> Actually, wouldn't it be 13%? Because I think it said 87%. Good. So, yeah, 13% of elites aren't doing well. Shouldn't our elites be treated better than this? Mm-hmm. Um, We're getting dark when we get back. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes people in history, uh, they were so hated that even when they died, you had to dig them up and kill them one more time. What? Yeah, just for the fun of it. Really? Oh, yeah, there was uh, quite a few. Man, that's one hated dude. <laughs> I'm so mad about him. I'm going to dig up and kill him again. All right, hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. A veteran's hope. Where are you hiding? I search for you in the seconds, the minutes of each and every day. Hear me as I call out to you. Take my hand. Lift me up as I lift up others. Welcome me home, father, mother, sister, brother, son daughter hear us now alone we stood divided we fell no longer now we choose to make the connection our new mission lies within visit maketheconnection.net to learn more WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Tonellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. These Chinese batteries, um, it's a nuclear battery. They claim it will provide enough energy to power a cell phone for 50 years, that's five zero without a charge. They call it the Betavolt, new energy technology. Uh, it utilizes a combination of nickel-63, radioactive isotope, and a fourth-generation diamond semiconductor. The result is a re- reportedly a battery that provides power for years. It's a new modular nuclear battery uh, it sounds pretty promising, you know. Uh, it could be uh, scaled up from a cell phone to, a, you know, a city. I mean, I'm assuming they're super expensive to make because otherwise why wouldn't you be able to theoretically uh, stack a building size worth of these together and just power everything? Right. Well, I mean, if the unless the radioactive isotope is, a, is an issue. Oh, no, you know, it says that it's uh, environmentally safe. It breaks down to copper after a certain amount of time. So that's even better. Yeah, we can always use copper. Except don't tell the meth heads. The battery is currently in pilot testing stage. They plan to mass produce them for commercial devices like phones and drones. They also state nuclear batteries could be used for aerospace equipment, AI uh, medical equipment, advanced sensors, micro robots. This company claims to have drawn inspiration from devices like pacemakers and satellites. 
It won't catch fire, won't explode in response to punctures or gunshots even. Unlike some current batteries, they can be unsafe if damaged while they're, if they're exposed to high temperature. Uh, they say this new technology could provide a drone enough power to allow it to fly forever for its lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right over U.S. Its small size means it could be run in series to, to produce more power with the company imagining mobile phones that never needed to be charged uh, and drones to fly forever in every temperature from minus 60 to 120. Hmm. A radioactive element. Yeah, you never thought to put some nickel 63 together with a diamond uh, yeah. capacitor? Uh, no. Uh, never crossed my mind. <laughs> what was the one battery we had that was so big, it could power a house and it stored battery for just maybe forever, and we went, eh, let's give it to China. Yeah, it was a college had a prototype for it, and we did. Yeah, uh, we they bought the our government bought the prototype from those people and then gave it to China. Mm. Who's on the horn? Uh, Ken is. Let's talk to Ken. Ken, thanks for holding. Go ahead. What's going on, Shannon? How hey, are you? Good, man. What's happening? Just you know, it just sounds like an entirely uh, just a horrible idea. I mean, you said at the very outset outset of the story that this has been uh, this has been developed in China. Yes, and it's nuclear. Potentially. Yes. Well, it's and, a radioactive isotope, yes. Okay, so that means that now the, the Chinese will have control over a bunch, a lot of devices in our country. Can make them, could probably make them uh, and detonate if they wanted to. If they're <laughs> nuclear, if they're packed with some sort of radioactive material. I see. You know, it, if you if you go back to the Trump years, there was a Chinese cell phone company called uh, Huawei. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They snuck technology into their uh, stuff. Well, Trump banned that company from doing business in in America. Right. However, now, under the current dumpster fire, they are advertising freely uh, their services on various platforms. Uh, They're here. So Huawei is now in this country selling cell phone technology. Uh, they will, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, how, how much deeper you've got TikTok, you've got so much yeah. Chinese influence in everything we do that this, this nuclear battery scares the hell out of me. I, I agree. Um, uh, it's almost as if the current administration owed China a favor or something. It's kind of weird. You know? No, get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's crazy talk. Come on. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for the call, man. I you appreciate have, it, Ken. Thank you. Have See a great day, man. See ya. Oh, uh, yeah, he's got a point. I didn't know the Huawei was back, uh, advertising stuff. Yeah, we dropped all those things. Like, oh, yeah, come on in. Trump was just being xenophobic. <laughs> uh, there's a <clears throat> poor old lady, retired teacher, uh, retired teacher, living on a pension. She, you know, counts on her pension. In uh, UK, I think they call them a pensioner. Well, around Christmas time, uh, the checks stopped coming. So she gave him a ringy dingy. Uh, and she got out to receive two letters that she said euphemistically asked if I was dead. I immediately called to make clear that I was very much alive. Nevertheless, a week or two later, more letters arrived asking the same thing. I wrote back to reiterate that I still have not died. Four days before Christmas, she discovered that her pension had not been paid. Despite a further call to the pension, uh, teacher's pension, the widow's pension payment she receives from, um, from that was, uh, was stopped as well. 
both payments eventually made it on the 2nd of January after she complained. She had fallen victim to a process they used to vet, regularly checking to make sure these, uh, uh, checking the pension beneficiaries against death registries to prevent ineligible payments. Um, they, uh, it's a po- the possible match had been identified. The beneficiary may be asked to confirm that they are not the same deceased stranger every 12 months since the system administered by Capita does not log disapproved link, a list disapproved link. So this lady's got to call. Got to call him once, twice a year to tell him that she's still alive. Basically. Yeah, there's no way that 85-year-old lady's still alive. It's someone stealing her money. Right. I mean, I get that there are probably a lot of people who are getting, you know, we had some story today about some people living for years uh, with a dead body because they wanted his checks. Um, Maybe we ought to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Still alive? All right. More money your way. Um, All right. Let's get dark, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. It's disturbing history with EZ. There's a lot of history out there. Some of it isn't in the books. execution that's right he's already dead but we want to kill him some more i get a posthumous you know uh uh maybe a dna test or cause of death another reason to 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 dig a body up but i think it's more you know we didn't have a way of so much uh record keeping or things like that so you if you wanted to bring a guy to trial, you actually had to bring the guy to trial because how else are the people around the town going to know about it? Uh, it's that type of thing where uh, if you're going to uh, kill somebody and he just died of natural causes, but then you found out he actually committed a crime. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Let that go. Wow. That's not about punishment at all. Uh, but sometimes you just weren't well liked or someone didn't like you. And the first one will be one Pope Formosus from Pope, October. Pope Formosus? Mm-hmm. October uh, 891 until April 896. It wasn't a long pope. Formosa served as pope, though his period of leadership was plagued with problems. Uh, Soon after becoming pope, uh, Formosa was embroiled in one controversial decision after another. At the time, numerous people vied for power in regions under the pope's authority, putting him at the center of multiple fights going on. Everybody looking for a little of that sweet pope approval. (laughs) You always want to have some pope approval. Mm -hmm. While the pontiff opposed Emperor Guy III Spoleto and persuaded Arnulf of Carnithia to depose of him, Arnulf seized Rome in February of 895 and became emperor. Formosus died in 896 and was buried with all honors expected of his office as the pope. His successor held the position for only 15 days before Stephen VI became Pope in 1897. Well, we're going to do popes like crazy now. Yeah, well, just like now, I mean, really, if you think about it, we've gone through popes pretty quickly recently. Since John Paul, yes. Yeah, we've kind of fired through some popes and, uh, you know, all glory to uh, Womifa, but our pope now ain't looking too great. No. He's uh, struggling a little bit, so who knows? And that was kind of a, again, back then they suffered from that. The Pope, what, living too long or just getting no, old and always, decrepit? always picking a Pope that was already old. Oh, I mean, I understand you kind of want to look wisdom, for yeah. wisdom, and uh, but if you pick a Pope that's already 85, yeah. mm, he's not rolling very long. Yeah, you're picking a new Pope real soon. Well, Pope Stephen, even though he was the Pope after 
the guy that was after Formosa, uh, Formosa, he hated him. So he put his exhumed corpse on trial for usurping the papacy. On Formosa's, trial? Yeah, Formosa's co- corpse was dressed in regal attire and made to sit upon the Pope's throne when Stephen VI tried and then executed him, undoing every act he had done as Pope. Stephen VI had six, three fingers cut from his right hand, uh, called the Benediction Fingers, uh, had him clad in rags, buried, re-exhumed again, again, and then thrown into the Tiber River. <laughs> he really hated him. <laughs> Harold I, known as Harold Harefoot. Harefoot? Mm-hmm. He ruled England from 1035 to 1040. Again, didn't rule very long. First serving as England's, England's regent before becoming king of the English in 1037. Harefoot ruled England in place of his half-brother, Harthnacht, yeah. Harthnut? Harthnacht. Harthnacht. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who was busy fighting and rebelling in Norway at the time. Harefoot's family vied for power in various ways throughout his region, culminating in several military actions. That's right, he wasn't a peacetime king. No. His stepbrothers, Alfred and Edward, opposed him upon their return to England, but their efforts were quickly ended. Well, I mean, he had, Harefoot mm, had him off. Just, they were not very well for, long for the world. Harefoot ruled until his death in 1040, when Harthnut finally assumed the role, the throne upon returning to England. Despite taking the crown peacefully, he wasn't happy with his half-brother's reign, so he ordered his body to be exhumed. Once his corpse was out of the ground, it was beheaded and chucked into a wetland along the Thames River. Right, it didn't even make it into the river, he tossed him on Just the, the wetlands. wetlands. Yes. <clears throat> However, his body was later recovered and reburied in London. Uh, while Hothcut's uh, reasons for doing this have been lost to history, he likely despised his half-brother for taking the crown he attended to gain upon their father's death. Additionally, he probably blamed Harfoot for the death of Alfred while he was regent, so you know, mm-hmm. he kind of deserved it. Uh, so England went through many rulers and various forms of government before settling into the parliamentary democracy it is today. It's not a monarchy really anymore. No. It's been gone for a long time. And 13th century Simon de Montfort... 6th Earl of Lancaster was one of the primary leaders of the reform movement against King Henry III, his brother-in-law. The two fought off and on for years, ultimately leading to an all-out civil war. Montfort won his campaign and retained Henry as king, but with several provisions. Montfort established the second English Parliament, which initiated many of the parliamentary norms present today. Don't uh, celebrate him too much, though, for his reform, as he was a rabid anti-Semitic bigot who was responsible for expanding the persecution and the slaughter of English Jews. Damn. He wasn't a great guy either. No. Montfort's government wasn't popular and he fell from power. Eventually, this led to the Battle of Evesham in Worcestershire in 1265, which Montfort lost. He was slain in battle, though he died on the battlefield. Uh, but that wasn't enough. His body was mutilated by royalists such that his testicles were hung beside his nose as his decapitated head. Good God, these people are barbaric. His extremities were sent to enemies and only his torso actually got buried. He sent, like, extremities to his enemies. Uh, they sent it to their enemies, like, which seems like a super uncool <clears throat> thing to do. Right. Like, you go get a package, and you open it up. Like, ah! Oh, arm in there. That's an arm. <laughs> Every damn time England sends us a uh, package, it's always an arm. I got some testicles last week. <laughs> that is one of those things when you think that, hey, I'm going to get a time machine. I'm going to go back in time. Yeah. And you get out of that time machine, and you step out, and the first thing you see is a castle wall, and there's a severed head with testicles draped over its nose. Nah, I'm going back. Where's Thanks. the time machine? Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Thanks. Uh, John Wycliffe. 
He was uh, Martin Luther's contributions to the Protestant Reform are well known today. One of his predecessors, John Wycliffe, helped pave the way for the Catholic schism. Schism. Mm-hmm. Wycliffe was a professor, theologian, priest, and professor at the University of Oxford. But above all, he was a dirty, dirty reformer. Uh, Wycliffe argued that the privileges afforded to the clergy advocating for, or uh, argued against the privileges afforded to the clergy advocating for poverty. Advocating for poverty? Well, he's like the... For the poor. Well, more he's, he was one of those guys that like, if you're part of the church, you shouldn't be rich. Oh, okay. You gotta be right, right, right. You gotta be like, like a vow. Why, yeah. Why are you? Uh, why are you making so much you money? A, you can have a house and, and dress nicely, but you can't be uh, showy. Yeah, you shouldn't be flying around in a private jet plane. Oh, and, uh, yeah, and don't wear a Rolex either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. His followers were later dubbed Lollards. Expanding on his views, which included uh, predestination, iconoclasm, and more. Additionally, Wycliffe supported translating the Bible into Middle English which was opposed by many higher-ups of the Catholic Church, because then guess who could read it? Ah. Yeah, the poors. The poors. Wycliffe was, prominent, or was problematic for the church, but his death his death following a stroke in 1384 didn't bring an end to his teaching. So 31 years after his death, the Council of Constance declared him a heretic on May 4th, 1415. Mm, you don't want to be claimed, uh, declared a heretic. You have really done some good work when 31 years later they decide to finally declare you a heretic. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Subsequently, his writings were banned, and his remains were removed from consecrated ground and burned. However, this didn't happen until 1428, which is now 44 years after his death. His ashes were unceremoniously chucked into the River Swift, though that didn't bring an end to his teachings. But it did bring an end to his body because it just washed away down the river and was gone. <laughs> Vlad the Third. More commonly known as Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, he was a bad guy. Woo. The man who learned to shish kebab human beings on the battlefield. That's right. Greased pole from one hole to the other. Uh. He was an important leader in Romanian history who brutally inspired uh. one only Dracula. Vlad was a strong military leader and was ruthless on the battlefield. Throughout his military campaigns, he slaughtered villagers and captured people whom he returned to them. Or he returned to his palace in Wallachia, where he impaled them upon their spikes. Vlad later fought against the Ottomans after refusing to pay homage to their Sultan Mehmed II. This conflict eventually led to Vlad's imprisonment in Visegrad, uh, in Hungary, where he remained in, from 1643 until 1475. 1463 until 1475. During his imprisonment, stories of his cruelty spread throughout Europe. After his release, Vlad returned to fighting the Ottomans and died in battle in late 1476 or early 1477. Record keeping is not great. Uh, despite being dead, Vlad's body offended the Turks, so they cut him into pieces. Good, that some bitch deserved it. They should have rammed a, a skewer up his rectum. Uh, his head was sent to Sultan Mehmed, where it was placed upon a high stake in Constantinople. Uh, uh, despite uh, stories of his demise, demise differ depending on the sources, and his final resting place remains a mystery. However, he is likely interred at the Komana Monastery. If you'd like to head out and check him out. Yeah, pay my respects. Martin Booster. He was a Protestant reformer who joined the cause after meeting Martin Luther in 1518. Stop hanging out with Martin Luther. This is how you get your body re-exhumed and tossed into a hole somewhere yeah. else. After that, he joined the Reformation and worked hard to bring it to fruition, despite the Catholic Church's insistence that he do otherwise. Booster married a former nun, leading to his excommunication from the church and forcing him to flee and join other reformers in Strasbourg, France. 
Got some of that sweet nun. Sweet nunnery? Mm hmm. In his attempt to further the cause of the Reformation, Bucer tried to unite Protestants and Catholics over various issues that they agreed on, but his efforts never came to fruition. Eventually, he was exiled to England, where he worked to expand the Reformation before he died in Cambridge at the age of 59 in February 1551. Unfortunately for him, Queen Mary I, also known as Bloody Mary, yeah. would not let him rest. Instead, after coming to oh, power, really? Mary tried to uh, posthumously try him for heresy. His casket was disinterred, and his remains were buried. Uh, uh, as his remains were buried, in all of his copies of his writing. Mary's successor, Queen Elizabeth I, undid Mary's actions concerning him, and on July twenty second, fifteen sixty, she rehabilitated his memory. So they kind of he. Oh yeah, so you now remember him? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, they said, "Hey, nobody, oh, nobody remember Martin." <laughs> and then she came back. And he's like, "Everybody remember Martin." It's okay to remember Martin now. Oliver Cromwell. A controversial figure in English history. Cromwell wore many hats through his lifetime, including working as a politician in Parliament, an English statesman, and a soldier with a record that led him to believe his actions were supported by divine providence. That's got your back every time. Throughout his life, Cromwell fought for the Kingdom of England as a parliamentarian and other outfits. Well, in 1653, Cromwell became the Lord Protector of the Commonwealth, a position he held until his death. Cromwell was a strong figure, and his death in, 15, in 1658 left a power vacuum, resulting in a revolution that brought Charles II to the throne. She brought him back. This Cromwell had kind of had him taken away, and then they got him back. Since Cromwell opposed Charles II and advocated for the execution of Charles I, this created a problem. Charles had Cromwell's body removed from his tomb and executed for regicide. Regicide? Yeah, killing a king. Ah. His head was removed and placed on a stake outside the Tower of London, where it remained for Years, three right? decades. <laughs> his body was displayed for a short while at Tyburn Manor in Middlesex. Uh, Middlesex. Cromwell's head was eventually reburied, but not until 1960, 302 years after wow. his death. Do you know the name Edward Teach? Teach. Yeah, he's a, was he a novelist? Edward, could be Edward Teach. That's why I've heard it pronounced different ways, but... I don't know. You may know his other name, and that would be Blackbeard. Oh. So he operated around the eastern coast of Britain's colonies in North America and the West Indies, where he captured ships, blocked ports, and ransomed vessels. He did much of it by commanding his ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge. His ship had 30 to 40 cannons and more than 300 men, making him a formidable pirate throughout his reign in the 17th and 18th century. Eventually, he gained the attention of Virginia Governor one Alexander Spotswood, who arranged for Tisha's capture. Teach was killed in battle alongside several of his men, so he couldn't be captured. However, that was he was taken to Virginia nonetheless because one does not take away Alexander Spotswood's sweet, sweet revenge. The expedition leader, one Robert Maynard, examined Teach's body and removed the head. He suspended it from his ship's bowsprit and took it to the governor to collect his reward. Once Teach's head was returned, it was displayed on a pole at the entrance of Chesapeake Bay as a warning to other pirates. His, uh, Tisha's dead men were buried while their living were tried and hung from the neck. Yeah. And we'll end with... Mm, which one of these two? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, was, well, I always love Greek. Grigori Yefimelsh Rasputin. The man with the oh, magic yeah. penis. Rasputin. Grigori Rasputin was a mystic who served closely under Nicholas II and his family during the final years of the Russian Empire. Rasputin worked closely with Nicholas, serving as a healer of sort of Nicholas's only son, Alexei, Alexei Nikolovich. Alexei was, um, oh, he was anemic. He had a blood disease. 
Okay. And for some reason, Rasputin had a way that he could keep that uh, under control, and they that got him like king's side. He had the the well more the queen. Uh, most saw Rasputin as a fraud and sought to overthrow him, given his uh, his influence on the emperor. Rasputin consolidated his power when Nicholas left Russia to command the Imperial Russian Army during World War One. This more, only made him more despised. And in December 1916, Russian nobleman assassinated Rasputin. Uh, there are many, many stories on what unfolded the night he died. Uh, there's rumors that they tried to poison him. He threw up the poison. They then tried to shoot him, throw him in a river. He came back. They shot him again. They threw him in the river again. And they finally he died. And I think they said even at the point they they chopped him up like pieces of him to keep him to die, <laughs> dead this time. Uh, but what is certain about it is that he stayed dead this time. His body was later buried on the watchful eye of the imperial family. Uh, Nicholas planned on the church uh, building a church to commemorate Rasputin's final resting place. But yeah, that whole Russian Revolution happened. Yeah. He abdicated his throne before this could happen. His successor Alexander Kerensky ordered Rasputin's body to be exhumed and burned to ashes. Uh, he did not. He did this not to punish Rasputin's father, but to ensure his grave did not become a place of support for the imperial family. But his massive member has made it to a jar <laughs> in Sweden. Oh, man. That's quite a... Uh, that's a living forever right there. Is uh, it on display? Can people yeah. see it? Yeah, yeah. He, but there's argument on that if it's actually his or not. It's Or is it a, definitely a penis for sure? They're not even 100% of that. <laughs> I did say he was like a uh, sexual monster, though. So maybe his penis was monsterish? That he had to con- just control over women. Yeah, I've read this. That's because he, had the, he was swinging a baby's arm. When we return, I'll tell you why. A middle school in Graham, North Carolina, has removed mirrors from all of the bathrooms. And Ferdinand Marcos Jr., the leader of the Philippines, is in hot water over where he flew with his wife on the presidential helicopter. Hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Hi, I'm Marcel Spears. Keeping our global neighborhood safe is a tough job. One made just a bit safer with the help of America's brave military dogs. These dogs, who often take the same risks and make the same sacrifices as our human warriors, keep our troops safe by sniffing out bombs and IEDs, locating enemy positions, and bringing a sense of comfort and home to an almost unimaginable circumstance. Yet, when these brave canine heroes retire, they're not always given the same treatment as our military VIPs, and are too often left overseas. American Humane works to bring home these valiant dogs and reunite them with the people who mean the most to them, their handlers, so they can enjoy happy, healthy, well-deserved retirements. To learn how you can help America's four-footed heroes, visit AmericanHumane.org. Roxanne Watson is on a mission. Hello, how are you doing today? She wants more people to register as organ, eye, and tissue donors. Are you an organ donor? Yes, I am. Yay. My goal is to sign up the most people in the United States. <laughs> what drives her? Roxanne's own life was saved through the gift of a heart transplant, made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day that I was going to devote myself to the cause of organ donation and signing people up and honoring my donor by doing that. 
Now she's back to health, and she's a powerful force, helping to save lives every day through her work. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Eight people can be helped with the major organs, and up to 50 people can be helped with a little bit of everything. And when you think about it that way, that you could help that many people, it's amazing. It really is. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. I'm William Shatner. I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled when I see the real battles our brave, paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom and when they come home. I had just come home from serving over in Germany. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. I was paralyzed. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed for the rest of my life. I was on a routine patrol, and uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America, because they've kept their promise to never leave a fallen soldier behind. A roof over the heads, accessible homes and cars, jobs, benefits. PBA has brought me back to life. Show them their sacrifice hasn't been in vain. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. In uh, North Carolina, they uh, have taken drastic measures to curb their students' TikTok addictions and removed the mirrors from all student bathrooms across the school. The students were going to the bathroom for long periods of time and making TikTok videos. And... They have noticed a significant difference after removing all the mirrors. They, the mirrorless bathrooms have already worked. Not as many visits, not staying as long, and students are held accountable when there's accountability. You see great difference. That's not accountability. That's removing their capability. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those that it doesn't hurt anybody. You know, when they try to do the ones uh, like, oh, we're going to remove the bathroom stalls. Uh, the doors from the stall, so you can't uh, do drugs inside the stall. Okay, that, that's going too far. Yeah. The mirrors. They're, yeah, they can look at their phones and see what their face looks like. Yeah, the mirrors are not necessary in there. What they should have done is just gone in there and, and thrown up old, if they needed a mirror, just some, like some old polished uh, stainless steel. steel, steel or <laughs> like you're getting a see in a prison cell yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe it'll help curb their uh, overall addiction to TikTok. I doubt it, though. Uh, who knew that the president of the Philippines, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., was such a music fan? He's a bit of a hot water right now because, uh, well, you see, Manila is famous for its traffic. It is some of the worst traffic in in the world. Um, and Ferdinand, Fer, Fergie, Ferdinand wanted to go to a Coldplay concert. But the traffic was just too much. 
So he did what any president would do. He hopped in the presidential helicopter and ordered it to fly to the concert venue. Now, he soon got a ton of backlash from social media that were questioning his use of taxpayers' money instead of solving the country's infamous transportation issues. One guy said he left home seven hours before the car concert in a carpool with other fans to avoid anticipated traffic. He said, we heard some horrible stories about people getting stuck in traffic and missing the entire half of the of uh, other shows. If the venue was more accessible, we wouldn't have to spend hours waiting outside. Um, <clears throat> but cold, cold plays really big in the Philippines. Was it the... The Philippines or was it Thailand? Which one was the one that they couldn't, uh, they had to be like, no gay stuff whatsoever? Oh, yeah. That was, Thai, was it Thailand? You couldn't don't do any gay stuff yeah, or sing about gay Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> In response to the criticism, um, Major Morales, who heads the security command, said in a statement, the security agency took decisive action by opting for the presidential chopper. Uh, the arena exp- experienced an unprecedented influx of 40,000 people attending the concert. Unforeseen traffic complications, they say, which posed a potential threat to the leader's security at the Coldplay concert, where there's no gay stuff. Man, they, they got to work on that infrastructure. Yeah, uh, can we wait till after the Coldplay concert? It's very rare they get to the Philippines. <laughs> they fill places up all over the place. Yeah, I mean, all over the world. You got to get working on those roads before you start inviting Coldplay. Uh, I would agree. I would agree. Um, you like this idea? I don't know how big I am on it. We heard the ABBA doing the the hologram shows. I, I hear people that have uh, uh, been to one of this. It's phenomenal. It's yeah. I'm sure it's it's cool. Are the instruments also I think every bit hologrammed? So it's just a blank stage until they turn on the hologram machine. Well, a new AI-powered technology that projects lifelike avatars called uh, trialed at Lowboro University. Um. Leaders of lectures say that, you know, trying to give a morning lectures up, he'll struggle keeping people, you know, he said they're moly, you know, they're, ha- they're hungover. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're, you're, they, they believe that he, they might be more enticed by a lecture delivered by perhaps Albert Einstein. Or this says a design masterclass from Coco Chanel. It's a ho- holographic professor's. Delivering a, a a lecture where <clears throat> I don't know that's good news for other professors because in in this industry they have a process called voice tracking. I'll let the cat out of the bag if you don't understand it. <clears throat> the voice you hear talking up the next Van Halen song and then talking out it, talking it out and sending it, sending it to traffic and weather. If it's a live person these days, it's one dude who came in, uh, spent two and a half, three hours just reading those parts because he knew what the songs were going to be. And a computer puts him into place, and he goes home. And that's rare. And they use that one guy making twenty bucks an hour to do uh, fifty other stations. Yeah, there's a reason why you can hear Ryan Seacrest across forty stations because right. So 
this is kind of, uh, I guess it would take, I don't know, would it take jobs? But it would keep you more, I guess, interested if it was just the fact that it's a hologram, whether it's Albert Einstein or just a, a, you know, a professor looking dude. I mean, it would definitely keep people more interested. You imagine uh, even the most brilliant professors you get in there and they are not uh, great speakers. They're not uh, great performers because uh Putting on a uh, teaching a good class, you need to be a little bit of a performer to keep people engaged. Right. So imagine you take that guy that is a genius in physics. Uh, he's read all of Einstein's work. He's gone through, and they run it all through there. And instead of him that morning, it's Einstein teaching the class. And then the next week, you have another uh, famous mathematician that is going to be the one teaching that class. And they go further to say that, okay, you could get a guy to do a Zoom type of famous guy from wherever, flash it on the wall, watch it on a TV screen. But that's, there's a distance there, they say, and a holographic image is a lot more engaging and real to the audience. David Nussbaum, a founder of a company called Proto, L.A.-based company, that um, they use this in their meetings to reduce the need for corporate travel. Uh, he found that he said uh, after working on dead celebrity holograms, he said his company could soon bring some of the 20th century's greatest thinkers back from the dead for the purpose of, of, of these lectures. They proto already has the technology to project, to project images of someone like Stephen Hawking or anybody else and make it look like they're really there. We can hook it up to books, lectures, social media, anything that he was attracted to, any question, any interaction with him, uh, an AI Stephen Hawking would look like him, sound like him, and interact like it was him. Like, they'll take questions. Yeah. I mean, in theory, down the line, that's how I, I think most schools will be in the, anyway. Uh, mainly because uh, if it's off of the, if it's run off that person, it's a little hard. Uh, hey, we're, we've got the Stephen Hawking thing. Oh, yeah, but all the way, Stephen Hawking's going to talk about gender studies as well. It's not. Stephen Hawking's, the Stephen Hawking bot is going to talk about Stephen Hawking stuff. Right. That's pretty cool. I think if The interaction you, is awesome. If you can interact with the hologram and he can hear questions and answer them in yeah, an AI. I mean, if you're in a philosophy class and you get to actually uh, have a uh, semi-discussion with, uh, with Socrates. Wow. Uh, does that mean school costs more? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd rather pay for that than the guy that, uh, <clears throat> would you rather have the hologram for a course or would you rather have the Hillary Clinton where she shows up and reads her book? Hologram. Or uh, the Biden who never shows up for a class or any of the other people that they hire put uh, big name. Uh, Obama had a couple of classes he was supposed to go do and he got paid for that never showed up for. At least if you got the Obama hologram, you got somewhat of what you paid for. True. They say the students at this uh, uh, Lowborough Business School love it. And they want to go up and take a selfie with the hologram. So it's not like the holograms that uh, the, the first holograms you ever saw look kind of opaque, like you could see through them. This is more of a right in front of you, for real. Yeah, these are more... Uh, like the ABBA ones, which are just, you, they look like they're there. I don't understand. The projection gadgetry technology has got to be amazing and big and expensive, you would imagine. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be cheap. Well, 
Sounds pretty awesome. Uh, who who smuggles cocaine in 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 a, in a, in a or anything for that matter in, in in an airport in America? I would say that there I mean, has to be people getting getting away with it because there's people still doing it. I mean, I could you know uh, maybe a dude having a little bit in his uh, I don't know where in his wallet or something or you know. A little tiny self, but this dude had 40 pounds of cocaine. There wouldn't be people that would attempt it unless there are people that get in away with it. Or is, does everyone that attempt it get caught? One dude traveling uh, through JFK, arrested, trying to sneak uh, 40 pounds of cocaine inside bags of jumbo shrimp. Now... The sh- were there actual shrimp in the bags and cocaine? I couldn't. I think so, because they, they you could have st- they would have stated bags for jumbo shrimp or stated they were jumbo shrimp, but it says with jumbo shrimp. So, so this is an American guy, Zachary Scott, twenty two year old kid, uh, lives in Guyana, but brought was bringing it to the states, and it wasn't his cocaine. Uh, with somebody else cocaine, and, and he was paid $6,000 to, what, now is he going to be 20 years in prison for six grand? The, the frozen shrimp was the one that throws me off a little bit because, I mean, you've gone through yeah. uh, you've gone through TSA with your uh, tomahawks, and that's a little strange in the first place. Yeah, you're definitely getting those zips yeah. if you have that in your thing. I don't know, I, I, Guyana, we have to have some type of laws here. In the United States, you can't bring frozen shrimp from Guyana, for yeah, example, or you know. You're definitely going to have to declare those frozen shrimp. At the least, if it, even if, if it's legal to even have the frozen shrimp, right? Kim couldn't bring uh, frozen things or uh, uh, some canned stuff. She couldn't bring back from Korea. Did they have like a, a like chart on the wall? Like, yeah. No, oh, no, no, no squid box. <laughs> no, bring squid. No, bring your squid. Uh, but 40 pounds is a lot, too. Uh, they were searching his suitcases right there at the, uh, you got to go through customs. What a dummy. I don't even know. How, what, oh, yeah, oh, what should we get to? What are we doing? We got a caller. Oh, who's that? Uh, Art. He's uh, apparently had a coke in an airport story. So. Oh, Art. You got busted with some cocaine at an airport, did you? <laughs> no, no, uh, but uh, so you're asking, do people really try this? I, I would tell you the answer is yes, because of an experience I had sitting in the Southwest uh, gate. It's like that local restaurant. What is it? It's not Ravenous Pig, but it's something like that. They have a bar there. Oh, yeah, uh, what you're talking about. Uh, what is it? It's not, it's not Ravenous Pig. It's a, I know it, you're talking about anyway, it. I'll, I'll think about it in a minute. Actually, it might be Ravenous Anyway, so I was sitting there at the bar. It's in the morning. So, you know, like at an airport. Airports are places where people drink at all hours. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter. It could be 8, 8 a.m. on a Monday, and there's somebody there with a double vodka. So I'm sitting there about to go on a business <laughs> trip, and I convinced the person I'm with to let's have a drink before the flight. And there's a guy next to me just pounding double, like, at 8 a.m. And he's telling me that he's sweating because he got pulled over to the side and he had cocaine on him. He asked me if I wanted some, which I say, <laughs> not right now. You yeah. know? <laughs> not, timing's not great. And he opens his bag, dude, and shows me and straight up 
full of coke. I mean, there's white powder on the inside of his backpack, wow. and he got it completely through security. Wow. True story, 100%, and it happened last year. Right. So, so he was, yeah, he was, he was beyond the TSA if he's in that, down in the uh, terminal there, sweating his balls off. We're in the terminal. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yes, yes, you're right. People do it. People do get through, and I saw it firsthand. Wow. There you go. Good story, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank yes. you. No. I, I just said, yeah, on that Coke. <laughs> I'll take an ounce. <laughs> Put it in my bag and save it for life. Just kidding, kids. Stay, stay, stay off the drugs. drugs. Yeah, they don't, don't do drugs. Um, they've got a truancy problem in, in, in the public schools in Ohio. So under a pilot program, pilot program, the state would make biweekly $25 cash transfers to select kindergarten and ninth grade students just for showing up to class nine out of ten days in the two-week span. So you still get a free day every two weeks? Uh, uh, Yes. Now, students who kept up 90% attendance rate for the year would get a $150 bonus at the end of each quarter and $700 at the end of the year. So... (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of this, but... No, I'm not either. First of all, it's it's select for kindergarten. Look, you got a truant kindergarten. I don't know the money's uh, ninth grade students select just to show up. You still got a day to skip. I mean, do the do you know ahead of time that you're one of the people selected for this program, or at the end of the year do you get a surprise for it? Oh, that's a good point. That I'll mention that because it's unfair to me if I'm the kid that shows up, goes to school every day, and the kid next to me I know gets one free day a week uh, every other week that he doesn't have to come to, and he makes seven hundred dollars a year. Right. So there's got to be some way that they don't tell everybody uh, that hey, you're in the you're in the program. Well, they've tried everything. There, they went from fifteen percent pre-pandemic to over thirty-one percent truancy in the most recent school year. That's a third of ninth graders that spend their first year of high school missing more than 10% of the school days. Um, one co-sponsor of the bill, Bill Seats, said, "Where we tried pizza day, and we tried playground hours, and we tried all kind of foo-foo stuff, and then don't say no word. That's a quote, foo-foo stuff. The old foo-foo <clears throat> stuff didn't work, huh? Yeah. So... He said, let's talk about the immediacy of payment in cash. Cash is king. Cold, hard cash. Some $1.5 million has been set aside for this program, targeting one rural and one urban school district. Also offers students $250 for graduating from some schools there. And up to, se- oh, I'm going to sneeze. 700. <laughs> up to 750 bucks for graduates with high GPAs. This is not the way public school is supposed to work. No. Um, one uh, Republican, Josh Williams, said, why are we going to pay kids to follow the law? We have laws in place that you cannot skip school. You cannot be truant. You cannot be criminally charged. You can be criminally charged with, with it and penalized for it. Parents, your kids ought to be enrolled in school. And if you don't enroll your kids in school, you could be charged and you could be penalized. Is this going to set a precedent for our young kids as young as kindergarten that we're going to pay to abide by the laws? Let's pay rapists not to rape. If that guy in Washington gets his idea, his chance on that board, that might be a thing. Oh, well, oh yeah, no kidding. That's all right. You get $200 a month if you can stay not being a pedo. 
he said, there are not enough truant officers to stay on top of the problem. And kids today want more or less immediate gratification. You can't say, well, if you do all these things, you get a lollipop at the end of the school year. The way they designed this with $25 monthly cash payments provides a degree of immediacy. That's seats thinking there. Maybe pizza's not as, uh, the pizza's not as good as it should be. Maybe. The pizza should have been better. It would have worked better. Yeah, I mean, I think that was always, you. and you're all the kids there, like 90% got pizza party somewhere. and Right. That's stupid. Oh, I don't think I'm flying again until February. Kind of watch my daughter uh, run in a half marathon in Austin, but one flight headed for New York City in Manchester Airport. One traveler, Phil Hardy, boarding his flight, said above the wing, looked out onto the wing, and noticed uh, there were many missing bolts on the wing. Um, I'm hoping he put his hand up immediately. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm a pretty good flyer. but And my partner did not. He, he saw four missing fasteners. Uh, as the lady was given the briefing, I thought it was best not to mention it to a flight attendant to be on the safe side. So he's trying to. He I, he said I, no. He didn't tell him immediately. I was telling her and and starting to panic. I was trying to put her mind at rest as much as I could. I thought it was best to mention it to a flight. Oh, to mention it to a flight attendant first, first to be on the safe side. They they did delay the flight and they called engineers out. They crawled up on the wing with some spare bolts and a screwdriver of sorts and screwed the fasteners in place. Yeah. No. This guy was way too calm. I'm on a flight and I look out there and it's missing a bunch of bolts on the wing. No, 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 no. Give me. Don't shut that door. I'll uh, I'll see you all later. Uh, getting right off this flight. Yeah. You he, can keep my bag. Leave it in the overhead. Yeah. Around. Just mail it to me. <laughs> we never get a chance. Um he he said they reassured him there's no safety issue with the wing, but he, you know, you have doors blowing open on Alaskan Airlines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they do say there's no impact to the safety of the the last week's aircraft, despite you know the whole you know it's been flying without these four bolts. Don't worry about it. I don't know; they look like pretty important bolts to me. <clears throat> All bolts that are missing is bad. (laughs) There's nobody. It's not like an Ikea piece of furniture where you look at it and go, I got some leftover bolts. I got a couple washers and a bolt. They probably said these as extras. I think probably. Uh, Well, you know, how often do people get up there and give it a looky-loo as to the bolt situation? It's one of those areas where you see, like, there's a bolt every inch. Or in this case, they look like Phillips heads. But the recessed, mm-hmm. and there's literally one every inch for you know the whole span of whatever piece of metal it is. You figure that four of those in a row, eh, maybe uh, one missing, and there's an issue. Yes, yes. Uh, they say the they did say they always try to talk you down. Oh, the the panel that was affected was a secondary structure used to improve aerodynamics of the plane. Don't you worry about it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. So when it blows off, our aerodynamics suck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. When we return, Eric Matheny, our buddy uh, from uh, Bob and Eric Save America podcast, will join us.
Um, much to discuss. <clears throat> Stick around. This is the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Air. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Donnellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi's uh, municipal water supply uh, was uh, <laughs> ran dry. Um, they're investigating some social me- media rumors about a potential upcoming water outage. Like someone they said, hey, uh, there's going to be an emergency shutdown for maintenance or whatever on such and such day for a couple of hours. Don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. So about... Uh, a quarter of the city's water customers, um, they said, you know, ice was straining the local um, infrastructure there. So they say it was a deliberate misinformation campaign. Um, they have been under federal order to run Jackson's systems, this JXN water. So people immediately started to fill their bathtubs and fill their water jugs and blah, 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 and causing a huge demand, a spike beyond what the water system could support. And the pressure was dramatically dropped to the point where a quarter of the people in the city couldn't get any water at all. I mean, it just shows how dangerous it actually could possibly really easily. I mean, we remember uh, this is, yeah, water pressure dropped. Where, we, where people couldn't get certain water because of this social media post that somebody posted. Uh, we had those um, fake emergency alerts that went out uh, yeah. to Hawaii, and they were stuffing kids down the sewer drain to, That's right. to protect <laughs> That's them. That's right. So, they thought a tidal wave or a tsunami or a bomb. Yeah, it was bombs. I mean, that's how quickly, uh, because we have become so obsessed with social media, that if that caught on real quick, uh, we saw it with stupid during COVID with the toilet paper stuff. Right. Yeah, was that social media rumor? Well, I just was, everybody was like, oh, you know, uh, you're not going to be able to go to the store to get toilet paper, and then how are you going to do this and do that? So, of course, everybody had a run on going and buying toilet paper, even though there was never a shortage of for it, <sighs> other than we forced one. The water woes started when it got really cold there, so people started to, you know, they threw that in the mix. They know it's freezing temperature. Before you know it, they got no water. Social media hoax. A spokesperson for the JXN Water said a uh, news release about the investigation was partially written by Wingate overseeing a federal in, uh, intervention to improve their water system. So, anyway, don't believe what you read on the Internet. On Mondays, we check in with our, our friend Eric Matheny. You can uh, get his, find him on your social media, wherever you get it. It's er, at Eric M. Matheny. Also listen to the Bob and Eric Save America podcast. Um, a, uh, how are you? Have a good week, Eric? I'm good. Good yeah, weekend, brother? Great week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, let's get right to it here. Uh, DeSantis is gone. What is Nikki Haley's path from here? Well, you know, inter- interestingly enough, we were talking about this last Monday, and I think we even predicted to go you know, down to the very finish how this race would go, and it was Trump, DeSantis, Haley, and uh, Vivek. Um, you know, I got to say, first and foremost, that Ron DeSantis did the right thing by realizing he didn't have a path forward. And rather than continuing to divide what should be a very unified base, he did the right thing. And I think I call for unity. 
I call for, you know, ceasefire. Look, I made the equivalency the other day. It's like a boxing match or a mixed martial arts fight. We're going to talk trash for months. We're going to slug it out, and we're going to hug after the bell. Right. So let's move past it. We're all on the same boat. You know, a lot of people are out there saying, well, you know, people were mean. People were vicious. That would be like saying the kid behind me on the plane is kicking me, so I want this plane to crash. We're all on the <laughs> same plane. Look, we all have to put hurt feelings and preferences aside and get on board and win this election, whether this guy was your preferred candidate or not. Uh, with respect to Nikki Haley, she does not have a path forward. She's going to get trounced in New Hampshire. She's, I think she's going to hold on and, and go to South Carolina just because that's her home state. I think she should save face and avoid that because how embarrassing would that be? She was the governor of that state, and she's just going to get whipped up and down. I, I don't know what she's doing. I think perhaps because DeSantis went all in on Iowa – she kind of went all in on New Hampshire. I think she sort of has to, probably owes it to her donors at least if she backed out now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think tomorrow night you're going to see very similar numbers to last week, and I, I bet Wednesday she backs out. I mean, maybe she hangs on to South Carolina, but I, I called it, Shannon, and not like I'm saying anything that's groundbreaking. None of these other candidates were making it past South Carolina. No one goes to Super Tuesday. This is oh, The primary is over. It is over. Um. <clears throat> This is they Trump haters predicted that if he was just so fortunate to be in primaries with multiple candidates and if he was ever truly in a one on one situation, it would certainly get trounced. Uh, we're about to see that myth get dispelled. Um, but what do you make of Trump's eating Carol judge? They delayed uh, court, I guess, today because of covid and they could be tomorrow. And Trump said, you know, he wasn't planning on being there tomorrow because he was planning on being in New Hampshire. And uh, the judge basically said, sorry, we can't help you. Just another tactic to keep him out of New Hampshire. Yeah, I I have to think that. I have to think that there's there's some political underpinning to it. Obviously, I I think all his court cases have uh, political overtones. Oh yeah. And you're wanting to keep him wanting to keep him out of there on the day he needs to campaign. Fortunately for Donald Trump, he doesn't need to be in New Hampshire. Um, I mean, he has run like. It has been somewhat of a lackluster campaign. I mean, he's not out there like we want to see him. I mean, obviously. He's, he's kind of hamstrung as far as where he can go. And, and having these indictments hanging over his head, he has to be really cautious about what he says. And we talked about that months and months ago. But I'll tell you, um, I don't think it's a problem that he can't be there. I think people would love to see him there, but it's not going to be critical if he's not. So it sucks. You know, they could have given him the day off. But I think this isn't this the judge that denied him a continuance when his mother-in-law died? Yes. Yeah. Real, real feeling. Real tender. Sweet. Yeah, exactly. Um, the immigration is back to the top of voters' concerns. Uh, it is uh, 35% uh, is the top concern for American voters. Um, up seven points in just the last month. This problem continues to grow. People's disdain with it uh, starts to grow as well. Um, it's got to bode incredibly poor for for the Biden campaign. Uh, what are they going to do? Is, is some deal going to be struck before the election? You know, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. First of all, I don't think it's going to be Biden in the election. Um, I just I have a feeling in my gut it's going to be Michelle Obama. Oh. And I think they're going to bring her out in some spectacular surprise fashion. And don't underestimate her. She's very popular on the left. But the reason why immigration, I think, is an even bigger issue in 2024 than it ever was before is because not only has it gotten worse, but because of the fact that these red state governors are sending the migrants 
for these little lily white blue enclaves. It's now hitting home for these people. It's no longer a border state problem when you're living in, in New York or you're living in Chicago. Now it's right there in your backyard. And it becomes real. And when it becomes real and it affects you, you start to give a damn about it. And that's exactly what's happened. It's, it's a problem that has spiraled out of control. And, and so many issues that stem from it. One, not only the fact that you're taking away jobs from Americans, you're introducing crime, you're introducing uh, security concerns, elements that, that we otherwise don't want to have here. We're America. We're a sovereign nation. We have the right to have secure borders and to say who can and can't come into our country, the same as every other sovereign nation on the planet. In fact, there's one sovereign nation called Ukraine, and any time they hit us up for money because their border is not secure, we send it without question. When governors, when states take efforts to secure their borders here at home, our president takes it up to the U.S. Supreme Court. you got to understand, there's... There's a push. This is deliberate. They, they want these people here. The Democrats want to make lifelong voters of them. And, you know, establishment conservatives, establishment Republicans. Yeah. And you know, manufacturing donors, they need them for the cheap labor. So, you know, the National Guard in Texas or wherever can secure the border in a day. That's not hard to do. Deploy them, get them out there, turn people away is that nobody wants to do it because there's political motivations. And until we get rid of that, and until we get some real serious lawmakers, you know, not these, these you know, Republicans who make strong, real serious legislators, nothing's going to get done. And, you know, even if I would, I look at, you know, all the, uh, the people, a lot of the DeSantis people who are upset, and look, I'll, I'll give you time to grieve. I'll put I'll give you time to grieve. Hopefully you come around sooner or later. <laughs> a lot of them are saying, I'm going to vote for RFK Jr. or I'm not going to vote for president. And I'm going to vote for a lot of faith in the GOP establishment. <laughs> Democrat hold the White House and elect the GOP Congress. Hello? I'm breaking up. Stand oh. up for you against Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom? Never going to happen. You have to have it top down. Republican in the White House, Republican Congress, Republican Senate. Trump's the guy to do it. Trump seems to have benefited quite greatly from DeSantis' departure, and I don't think Nikki Haley got much of a bump at all. you really believe that some uh, DeSantis backers are going to go vote for RFK Jr.? I, you know what? you, you got to understand the one thing. Like We get a lot of our news and kind of our finger on the pulse from social media, but that's not an accurate reflection of the majority of people that are not. I think, obviously, yes, you're going to have some people go to RFK. You're going to have some people go to Haley. I think the vast majority are going to go Trump, not because they particularly like him, because they see it as the path forward. Now, here's the thing. Here's why you don't see a mass exodus of DeSantis to Haley, because they're ideologically not the same. Trump and DeSantis are ideologically the same, which is why this primary has consistently been between Trump and DeSantis and why the slings and arrows have been lobbed at DeSantis supporters because we are so upset that these people who share our values aren't supporting the, right. the candidate most likely to win. Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, uh, Asa Hutchinson, whoever, they're not from that same ideological camp. Ron DeSantis, I mean, you can call him a, I don't like to use the word protege, but certainly a disciple of the Make America Great Again movement. He comes from that, and he's a great conservative. And I hope, look, it's primary attention.
penitentiary is two seconds, he'll rehabilitate himself. I don't worry about that. He's going to come back to Florida. He's going to dedicate himself. He's going to do a great job. And 2028, you know, I, I think is his year. Um, you know, this is, and I say this as a Trump supporter to fellow Trump supporters, I hope you guys realize this is Trump's last stand. This is do or die time. If Trump doesn't win in 2024, there's no 2028. You can't do that, guys. We can't prop up an 82-year-old who's going to be 86 when he finishes his term. Like, there has to be a point where we say, okay, we've tried. So this is the most important, most consequential election. We have to win it. And, no, there's no coming back from this. Um, and, and honest to God, if we don't win this election, I don't know where. Because you get got you get a House and Senate. Oh, my God. You know, it's... Uh, you think the border is bad now? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, let's uh, change up a bit here. Not so much, but House Jan Six Committee, uh, the Select Committee, turns out they deleted quite a few encrypted files, uh, deleted them and encrypted them from their probe just days before the Republicans took the majority there. Uh, they have since uh, uh, f- discovered them, or, you know, forensically found them. They, but they require passwords. What are the odds that uh, uh, they get the passwords for this? Well, it depends on on the reason you're getting the password. I remember the, um, you know, with the San Bernardino, uh, you know, when that happened years ago, the shooter in San Bernardino, Apple didn't want to give it up, and and the government had to take Apple to court. Apple is trying to protect this terrorist, but when it comes to a J6 defendant or anything like that, I think Apple will will compromise your privacy in a heartbeat. Um, but it depends if it's exculpatory or not. If it's inculpatory, if it's going to suggest that these people are more guilty than we thought, oh, no, no, no. I this think is, they'll get them right away. Th- these are these are the these are the uh, files from the January sixth select committee that they have hidden. That that they were discovered by Loudermilk. The forensic people have dug them up. These are these are interviews and transcripts from interviews the Jan Six Select Committee that uh, D- uh, Cheney and and her ilk did uh, for the bogus report. Now that there's a new fresh GOP Jan Six like you know redo committee, they'd like to find out what's on them, and those were protected by the password. And Loudermilk's have some difficulty getting them to to cough it up. So which means we'll never we'll never know the truth. We may, so who holds the password, like Cheney and, and Kinzinger? Yes, Cheney, Kinzinger, and what's oh his name? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, no, there were, those will never see the light of day. And uh, it's a shame, too, because beyond the January 6th committee, that could be exculpatory evidence for yes. Sixers who are currently awaiting trial or are serving time. Um, so, uh, you know, look, the bottom line is I think more and more Americans are realizing that what happened that day was was a setup. What happened that day was, a, you know, opportunism meets entrapment. And you have a lot of these poor Americans that that their conduct, just their conduct, walking into a building. Um, whereas I think I've seen since March, whether it's LGBT or gun yes. protesters or whoever are pro-Palestine, I've seen like five or six insurrections, and I haven't heard of one of those people getting anything more than a ticket. Yep, you're right. Uh, sadly, I, you're right. I don't think we'll ever that the, the, those secrets are going to die with those that hold them. Um, what do you think is in store for Fannie Willis's case as it falls apart up there? Um, you know, so we've uncovered that she was paying the guy a tremendous amount of money. Then later, she says, "I pay them all the same." Then we find out, no, she's not. She's paying the white heterosexual dude a hundred dollars less an hour, and then she's paid the the two white people a fifth of what she's paid her her boy. Is there is there a way to, that this could derail the case altogether? Well, 
Well, if there's prosecutorial misconduct, if there's if there's prosecutorial misconduct to a point where she was hiding evidence or she was you know failing to disclose things that she's obligated to disclose, uh, matters such as that, uh, you know, it, to dismiss the case on that ground would be the most egregious sanction uh, and most onerous thing that the judge can do to the state. I don't foresee that happening. Um, I mean, her really, you know, if it comes down to a question of her character, I mean, it could be a matter of her resigning or recusing herself, but that doesn't change anything as far as for, for Trump. I mean, it does give the defense um, certainly a little bit of leverage as far as like the Edison was politically motivated and she, you know, she did that. However much of that is able to come in at trial, uh, those, those political angles. But as far as everything goes, um, I mean, if she is corrupt, it is a corrupt office, it's a corrupt prosecution, and it's not just what she's doing to him. I mean, shes it's a horribly run office in Atlanta. Their crime rate is out of control. It's a very dangerous city. And, you know, just like uh, Letitia James in New York, I mean, you have these attorney generals and DAs who are dedicating all their resources to going after conservatives, Trump supporters, even Trump himself, while they ignore what's going on in their own jurisdictions, people getting robbed and beaten and attacked in daylight, the videos that are just coming out daily, it's heart-wrenching to watch. So I don't know what necessarily happens to his case, but certainly, you know, we could see her resign, we could see her recuse herself, gets picked up by a, by a neighboring circuit DA, um, but as far as the charges, I mean, that's, that's not going to change, and I don't see enough here absent, like she was hiding evidence, where a judge would... would actually dismiss the case on prosecutorial misconduct grounds. What about Jack Smith's entire appointment, which apparently wasn't done by the books? He wasn't appointed by a president. He wasn't confirmed by the Senate. He wasn't an employee of the DOJ at the time, which runs you know against uh, every other uh, special counsel that I can recall. They're appointed by normally the president, and they're confirmed by the Senate. You know, it, it, it certainly will be the the product of a of a pretrial motion but as far as whether it's going to be dispositive of the case i don't foresee that happening there's too much of a political bent on this thing for it to go away in some technical motion i think the one case that probably has a shot at being just on on technical pretrial grounds is probably the new york case the alvin bragg case um that's the weakest of the cases as far as um not necessarily disputed facts, but like the, the legal framework for the charge just on its face is very, very weak. Um, so I think that certainly could be dismissed ahead of time. But, you know, we have the documents case, we have the J6 case federally, and we have the Georgia case. Um, so my, my hope, honest to God, my hope is that if, you know, they could put off the, the federal trials, Trump wins the election, he gets pardoned on the federal matters, um, then we have yet to see what's going to happen on the state matters because obviously the president has no control over that. And right. Brian Kemp right. uh, certainly is not going to uh, no. pardon uh, Trump. But uh, I don't even know if in Georgia they, the governor can. I think the judge, the governor can only commute sentences. Um, I think that's what I had read about Georgia law here in Florida. Um, if this rabbiting in Florida, DeSantis could absolutely pardon Trump in a heartbeat. But um, you know, each state is different. But that being said, I you know I think that's one of the one you know major benefit obviously other you know, than our country of course, right. but is that Trump would be able to resolve these federal matters, these political prosecutions, at least on the federal level, very quickly. Well, let me ask you this: You're a, you're a, an attorney. Uh, e. Jean Carroll's case, uh, the second time around, basically the way I understand it is she claimed that he raped her. Uh, he said no, I didn't, and that was the defamation. That's what I, yeah, that's what it, it, it was, that, that he, 
that he said she lied about the rape. So that was the the defamation that that he called her a liar. He said that her claim was false. Well, that's, that's the proclaiming part. his innocence. <laughs> well, if if you if you the, legally speaking, I mean, if you publicly call someone a liar, but then you know, it's like they had established. I guess she had proven. I don't know how. I, I mean, I haven't followed that case enough to know what the the quantum of proof was, but I. I just, I, it seems ridiculous. I just, like, really? Like, that didn't happen. Like, this woman's nuts. I've read her posts. Oh. I've seen videos. This woman's certifiable. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and, and, and <laughs> just like, yeah, okay, she said it happened, so it happened. There's no supporting evidence. There's no corroboration. And you simply and, can't well, say, simply I, mean, I didn't do it. Right. Uh, she had a cat well, named vagina. Yeah, and he said, like, do it. Exactly, exactly that. Just some of the posts you puts out are just <laughs> gruesome. But uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't get it, man. I mean, but it, like you know, I see that in my business all the time. Everyone's like, "Oh my God, she said I did this, or he said I did that," and I got arrested. I'm like, it all it takes is an accusation, and the burden of proof here. This is a civil matter. It's a, it's greater weight of the evidence, preponderance of the evidence. So it's very easy. It, we live in America, man. You could sue anyone anytime for anything. Yeah. I've always said that I could, you know, any reason I could say. You know, Shannon said this about me, defamation suit, and uh, you know, try to strong arm you into a settlement. It's a, it's a broken civil system. Yeah, sure is. Uh, thank you very much, Eric Matheny. Get his. Uh, you got to listen to the podcast, Bob and Eric Save America, wherever you get those. Also, follow his his great follow on social media and X at Eric M Matheny. Uh, uh, any uh, uh, predictions about the playoffs coming up next week? Ooh, uh... I guess we uh, have yet to see anything's going to happen. What do you think? Uh, I believe that you're going to be, it's going to be Chiefs uh, 49ers in the Super Bowl. I, you know what? I, I could see that. Um, a lot of red. I really don't want to see more Taylor Swift. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, a lot of red. Yeah, think... Hey, you know what? Give it up to them. But uh, the script. how funny would that be if they go to the Super Bowl and you have Taylor Swift there at the Super Bowl and they run a Pfizer commercial? It's like, it's like, <laughs> up, man. It's, we're watching a movie, I swear. Eric, you're going to talk to my friend. Have a great week. We'll talk to you uh, on Monday next week. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. See you. Um, do you see the, uh, what are they called? The Patriot Front guys that everyone says are feds? The guys couldn't figure out how to get through a turnstile? Yeah. Are they a real group? I've seen some stuff on them. It's just very odd that you see all the other groups out there that are always very proud. Uh, you know, the, the, the Nazis are, don't, aren't wearing masks. Hell no. They're proud of being uh, Nazis. Everybody else is wearing Why would these guys of all the groups be the ones that wear masks when they go out there? Right. And except their leader, that dude, the crazy looking guy in a cowboy hat. Um, yeah, they're all in the perfect uniform, and they don't show their faces. If you don't show your face, it means, A, you're either really you're like the Klan, you don't want to be seen, or, B, you work for, you know, federal government, and if you're identified, then the jig is up. Uh, I find it very unlikely that this, uh, maybe they are a, a, a real group, I don't know. Maybe they are a real group, but there's like two or three or five of them that are feds, and the one fed guy put up his hands like, hey, we probably should wear a mask so people can't see who we are. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, maybe we should wear a mask. <laughs> All right, when we return, we'll get to uh, your remarks. Um, and I'll tell you, a very enterprising young man who stumbled upon a restaurant when they were closing wanted fried pickles so bad 
I thought the things he offered in exchange for reopening, making one order of fried pickles were quite. This guy was going to get fried pickles, so usually nine yeah. times out of ten. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't get fried pickles. Wait until you hear what he offered these people. Stick around. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Girls and boys in poverty around the world are dreaming of a better life filled with dance, art, music, and knowledge. They dream of a brighter future with enough nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn and grow, to get an education, escape poverty, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, such dreams are coming true. Together, we give children a chance to set their sights high and succeed in school and in life by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and so much more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Together, we can help end poverty for good. Military dogs keep our troops safe by sniffing out bombs and IEDs. Yet when they retire, they're too often left overseas. American Humane brings these heroes home and back with their handlers. To help, visit AmericanHumane.org. Girls and boys in poverty around the world are dreaming of a better life. Thanks to Children International and friends like you, dreams are coming true. Together we help children to learn, grow, and thrive. Learn more at children.org. Buffalo Wild Wings in Lawrence, Indiana. A man wanted to get in there and get himself some fried pickles. He didn't even want wings. He was also wearing an ankle monitor due to a prior drug arrest. Uh, so he, they said, look, we're sorry. The kitchen's closed and you know how these things go. Uh, they, you know, We had to turn fryers back on and blah, blah, blah. He said, look, I'll give you anything. He offered the workers marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, and THC vape cartridges in exchange for fried pickles. He said, I'd make the, I'll make this transaction worth it for you fellas. The workers, too, were underage, rejected the unusual offer. You know, see, most restaurants... That guy, hey, turn him on, Phil. Let's go. Say, every restaurant I've worked for, that, that kitchen chef would have been back there. He's like, all right, fry, throw them all back up. Was yeah, he, he wings? He, he wants he, burgers, he'd too? He'd have poked his head out of the kitchen. Did I hear cocaine? Some guy's <laughs> got cocaine. Yeah, we'll make you some pickles. That makes sure I don't have to go see my dealer before the after party. Yeah. Well, Justin Carpenter was his name, 25-year-old fella. He, uh, you know, they rejected him, and he he, he took off. He left three small bags of marijuana on the front counter. 
told the manager, give this to those kids. <laughs> the nicest drug dealer ever. <laughs> Man, he didn't make any pickles. Give them to him, though. They're just nice enough guys. Uh, soon after, the police had, uh, I guess they called the cops. Well, not only are these kids uncool, they're snitches. The police located his vehicle at a Speedway gas station. Following his arrest, searches revealed possession of various drugs, including marijuana, cocaine, oxycodone, Xanax, THC cartridges. Also, white powder. He's quoted as telling the officer, I have uh, marijuana, cocaine, THC. I can make this transaction worth your while. <laughs> Following the incident, he was uh, 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 arrested on numerous felony and misdemeanor narcotics charges currently held in the county jail. Prior drug cases pending against him, which means he probably, since he had a necessitated a GPS angle monitor, probably will not be getting out. I got to teach this guy Uber Eats. Yeah. In the event he's ever released from custody, the judge has mandated that he maintains no contact with the Buffalo Wild Wings or any of their employees. <laughs> That's a harsh-ass judge, too. <laughs> you can never eat fried pickles ever again at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Man. I don't know a restaurant employee in the country that would turn down any mixture of those. One, two. I'll have a, uh, let me get a couple of those THC babes. And, uh, and the restaurant game must have changed since I left. Yeah. That's all I, want. I was making a change for a lady once at the bar, and I didn't have enough to make. She needed a change for the for the uh, parking meters. I had 75 cents. I needed to give her a quarter. And I turned to one of my waiters and said, like, do, you, I need a, do you have a quarter? I need a quarter. And he said, yeah. He backed up a little bit. <laughs> he reached in his apron, and he pulled out a little envelope, which I assumed was a quarter of a gram of cocaine. I said, no, you Nimrod. I held up my hand. I said, Clark. Then I uh, made him give me a grand yeah, word fire. I know the kids' house I worked with, they would have come flying over that counter. Hell yeah. They would have made him a three-course meal. <laughs> Let's get to these uh, remarks from the Florida Man radio app. And powered by Morris Family Farms and Morganic Meats. Perfect place to listen to archives of the program, commercial-free and whatnot. Hit the uh, microphone button at the bottom. Here we go. Actually, wouldn't it be 13%? Because I think it said 87%. Good. Uh, so, yeah, thir- I heard that one. Hey, Harry Carey here. How about some percentages for you? How about 100% of liberals are dumbasses? How about that? Hey, how about 100% of illegal aliens love Joe Biden's dumbass? How about that? Hey, you already have CO2 devices in your house. Everybody knows that. Just reminding everybody. Beater, beater. Wait, hold on. Shannon isn't Mexican? None. Ooh, liberal Larry is sensitive to illegal aliens. Maybe his husband is an illegal alien. Man, you guys uh, should have kept Bubba alive, quote unquote, and kept those uh, checks coming in. You guys are dumb over there. Regarding that call from Ken, I'm an engineer at AT and T, and we're still banned from using Huawei. 
uh, for any of our core network equipment like routers and uh, cell site radios and stuff like that and can't sell the, the phones uh, that they make either to our customers. So I think the highway ban is still still going on. That's good. But they also make like uh, other technology like uh, smoke detectors and such? Uh, they, yeah, they diversify. Note to self, try not to have your testicles buried next to your nose. Getting impaled is a lot more slow than you think. Old Vlad, he'd just tie you on top of a pointy pole and let your own body weight pull you down onto the pole uh, via the force of gravity over time. Uh. So a slow process, not a quick one. Uh, God. He was nice enough for some people to grease him. <laughs> grease the pole? Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Uh. No gay stuff at a Coldplay concert. Just going to that makes you gay. I mean, how hard does it sound like Stephen Hawking? Glenn Beck took his family to Ireland last summer, and they went to an ABBA hologram concert, and they were asking their kids, "Um, what do you think? Does it look real? They're like, what do you mean? They're like, they're not here. These are all holograms. And the kids were like, what? The kids totally thought it was real. It sounded amazing. It's got to be pretty convincing, man. Hey, Shannon. I want him to bring back Nostradamus so uh, he can tell me who's going to win the Super Bowl. Got 500 on it. Hey guys, yeah, Shoals in Atlanta. I had a buddy of mine who used to hide his cocaine all throughout the kitchen. And one time he put it inside of this jar of cinnamon. And, uh, well, he ruined that cocaine. <laughs> yeah, but the pumpkin pie that year was insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cocaine Monday! Woo! Yo, what does Stoner do for work? That dude's funny. I think we call him Stoner. Heather meant to give him that name because he sounds like he's, you know, yeah, he's funny. Okay, I'm no aviation expert, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that there are probably no unimportant fasteners on the exterior of a plane. They're all there for a reason. Probably a pretty good reason. I wonder uh, if if somebody was actually sitting in that seat when they pop out and happened to be looking out, you know, 30,000 feet. Watch them just fly. And where do they end up? They ain't going to school when they're supposed to. She only just quit uh, paying them kids to go to school. If they ain't smart enough to go to school, then they need to just do what they need to do and just expel the little bastards. Make them suffer a little bit. Figure out the mysteries of life and the consequences of their actions. Teach them suckers young. Good God. Well, I hate these kids to go to school. Kind of society they're living in. It's pretty dumb. There's a lot of Sam's here, and he's going way over his limit. <clears throat> I'll let him have one 
but that's it. The Otis profession is whorism. <laughs> the next Otis profession is law. Uh-huh. Lawyers. All right. Money. Okay. Hand over fist. All lawyers are whores, and all whores are lawyers. I don't know about the second part. This of that. is stupid. All right, thank, Donald. Tr- thank you, Sam. <laughs> I don't think all whores are lawyers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, Even though some of them do know the law pretty well. That's true. Uh, a certain part of it, yeah. <laughs> if the Patriot Front were real KKK and white supremacists, where's all the fat ones? Don't you remember? Being fit is white supremacy. Right. Working out, trying to stay fit, white supremacist. I don't know. that they. I mean, they could really be a new iteration of the Klan. You know, they cover their faces. They march in a line. They wear the exact same clothing. You know. I mean, it could be. Uh, but if you're going to do that, uh, show your face. Right. Be proud be, of what you're doing. Be proud. Do people ask them, hey, why, why can't we see your face? I just saw him not be able to figure out how to do the turnstiles. <laughs> hey, what's up, Shando? Heather, easy. You know who it is. Yeah, man, my Chiefs made it through. Gave it? me a little bit of a scare there, but they got it. Um, I hope the Bucks don't give up on Baker Mayfield like um, the Browns and the Panthers did. I hope they stick with him, keep him. He's a good quarterback. Not sure about Todd Bowles. But I would absolutely love to see the Detroit Lions beat the 49ers and the Chiefs-Lions Super Bowl would be awesome. All right, great show, guys. b 2 b Yeah, Chiefs-Lions would be good. It's been so long for the Lions. It's going to be Niners-Ravens anyway. You think? Yeah, I do. Shando, I know uh, Cody's over in the villages that will hook that dude up with all the fried pickles <laughs> he wants to eat with that proposition. My wife Mandy is there for nine years. b 2 b it's <sighs> <laughs> good to know <laughs> man I have all these drugs but no fried pickles man we're gonna imagine a guy who's rolling around town uh, wanting to trade drugs for, for food I mean yeah well I mean in most towns you wouldn't go hungry you pick the one Buffalo Wild Wings in the world Buffalo Wild Wings, that place was cool to go to back in the day. Now it's like the uh, the secondary white trash of Applebee's. Come on, man. The, uh, the one in Sanford is absolutely brutal. The one on uh, on 436 has a kick. I mean, they have a hamburger, a smash burger that is kick-ass. I don't, I don't go to them often. I don't go to the, for the yeah. wings. I go there for the smash burger. Yes, sir, I do have a carbon monoxide detector in my house. It's called my ears, and it rings every time my wife speaks. Be-doo, be-doo. Um, CO2, you can get a combination, right? Your smoke and CO2. I think yeah. mine does both. Yeah, it does, because it tells you. It goes, eh, the annoying sound, and then the lady's voice goes, fire. And then, eh, eh, fire. <laughs> <laughs> Baba sucks. They're quite rich. Didn't somebody offer them a billion dollars to go on a tour? I'm, I'm not really big Something. up on my ABBA. <laughs> your, your ABBA concert yeah, dealings? Yeah. 
Did somebody say cocaine? Woo! Everybody likes cocaine. Where do those fasteners end up? Eh, about 100 miles back. <laughs> For sure. Those are all of the uh, remarks we had. I thought we had, I guess we buzzed through them quite quite quickly. Um, when I get home, I'm uh, summoning the, the uh, police to my house. Oh, what did you do? Well, I tried to do it this morning, but it, they took too long, and I had to get to work. Well, I went to do, you know, I inject uh, testosterone for testosterone replacement. I go, Saturday is the day I do it on, into my bathroom. I had, to my knowledge, a two-month supply, which means eight vials in little boxes in that drawer along with all the associated, uh, 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 you know, stabbery with the, with the, with the needles and yeah. such. <clears throat> it's got like, it comes with one needle on it, but you need to put a different one on to draw it, blah, 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 then put the other one back on. Uh, those are all still there. And I turned my bathroom upside down. I cannot find them anywhere. The cleaning people were there on uh, Thursday. And uh, no one else, nobody else has been in our house since Thursday, or since last week, except the boys. So they took the testosterone vials? Yes. So they had to think they were something else. Because it seems odd. That would be a weird thing to, to take. Well, why? I mean, I mean should, maybe they think they could sell them. Maybe. Or maybe uh, her husband's not, you know, uh, living up to his uh, end of the bargain. She wanted to give him a little boost. I don't I don't know. I listened to Florida Men Radio and they talked but, about it. But, you know, of course, we confront them. Oh, that's not in our nature. We did, would never, ever do such a thing. Well, I mean, the the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. There's the, uh, the 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 video ring-a-ding thing that shows no one else in the house but them on a Thursday for a week, except for us, the people that belong there, and uh, that's it. I even said, uh, my wife communicates with them, I said, tell them, if I wake up tomorrow morning and the uh, the stuff's on the front porch or in the mailbox, I won't call the police, but they're fired anyway. We were instantly rekeyed everything, but they didn't show. I'm sorry, Mr. Burke, but it was the best sweet, sweet loving of my life. <laughs> Fernando gave me the best love ever. I mean, you know, I feel like a, 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 I don't feel like an asshole. And it's not a small thing. Those are prescription drugs, you yeah. know? It's just no, it is a weird thing to steal. So I wonder if it was maybe they thought it was something else or. What could they possibly think? I don't know. Uh, other than I don't it think, says it right on, yeah. on, on the thing, testosterone supionate. It's got the yeah. But why would you take that and not the uh, uh, syringes? Yeah, you need all the other stuff unless you're just going to try to sell it to somebody. Man, just pisses me off. Which I mean, the I've streets got getting weird when I've you're got, like, hey, I got heroin and I got testosterone. Which right. one you want? <laughs> I've got other drugs in my house that are uh, much more fun <laughs> than uh, testosterone. Injected into your uh, a leg, um, but those are never touched. I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm not going to be a victim. Well, I'm going to be a victim, but I'm going to call the cops. I have her name. I have her company name. I have her phone number. They can go over there and invest. I don't. I, I don't expect anything to come out of it. Yeah, probably not. I mean, probably not. But I'm not going to, you know, <clears throat> just brush it off. No, it's not something that <clears throat> could be because then you know that's a small thing, and if you let one small thing goes. Uh, the next thing, other stuff goes disappearing. Right, right. Uh, Jason Kelsey won the weekend. He was the uh, the focus of that game. <laughs> I mean, it it was uh, you know he was like a King Kong on a on a on the uh, Empire State Building. 
jumping out of the box, mixing it up, doing uh, bowling ball shots in the parking lot with uh, he, he Bill's Mafia. Unhinged. You think it was hammered the whole time? Oh, yes. No, without a doubt. That, he even kind of admitted, he, I think he said he started drinking about noon. Did you say his wife called when they saw him on TV without a shirt on? Yeah. <laughs> Because her daughter texts her like, hey, daddy's uh, boobies are out. Uh, you got to stop him. Man, he looked like he was having a blast, didn't he? Uh, he was having a good time, yeah. And it took away from them uh, panning over Taylor Swift every two, two plays. Yeah. Mainly because he was standing bare chest in front of her, so they couldn't get a good camera How angle How cold over. was it there? It was cold. He must have been hammered. It, oh, without a doubt. It was like 20s, I think, 25 degrees or something like that. I mean, he leapt out of the box at one point to go try to grab a child to take her <laughs> out and see Taylor Swift. <laughs> like Again, like some sort of uh, drunken King Kong just smashes his way through things. He's such a recognizable character, too. And I guess if you're a, a retired NFL player of note, then you can run into anybody's team. You don't have to go to the Bills Mafia and say, yeah, I'm with you guys. You can walk into any camp or any party you want to, party with both teams' oh, fans, yeah. and uh, just be, you know, an all-around and good get whatever guy. whatever you want. Like, you just wander through there. Here's shot, shot. No, here's a here's a hoagie. Here's yeah, my smallest Here's a child. hot dog, Jason Kelsey. Have my <laughs> hot dog. What a life, man. Um, Bills kicker. Had to shut down his social media because he got too many death threats. Uh, it's being alleged that the reason there was no hot water in the Chiefs locker room after the game was that it had, uh, uh, you know, a, a pissed off Bills fan or someone that worked there yeah, with the Bills. Yeah, that works there. It's not a players or anybody like that was going to know where to go shut the hot water off. At. When it's that cold, there's no way those guys took a shower. No, yeah, twenty five degrees close. outside. There's you couldn't shower in that water. Maybe somebody did, but it was maybe a hell of a wake up call. And then you got on the. Do you, do you get to stop at the hotel? You're already packed up from the hotel. Yeah, no, you're off to the plane mm-hmm. normally. Yeah, your stuff's probably except your bag you had. So everyone stunk all the all the way uh, to on the plane home. They didn't care. They won. Yeah, that's true. It's a not-so-fresh feeling, though. They so, splashed some uh, $500 cologne on themselves. And <laughs> the so you, you believe that it's uh, <clears throat> uh, Lions-Ravens? No, I think it'll be Niners-Ravens. Niners-Ravens? Yeah. All right. Um, you didn't see the Chiron that was, that was floating around this weekend that had... Uh, uh, the the future prediction are like the script had already been written. Oh, oh yeah. The picture said Niners or uh, Reba McIntyre and so and so will perform at the halftime of the Niners Ravens game on February 11th. What did that What did that pop up over this weekend? February 11th. Oh, that's Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> that would really blow everyone's mind, wouldn't it? That that I was mean, the-, the odds are is that they were the two number one seeds, so they were just popped in there. As uh, oh, as yeah. placeholders because they have the two number one seeds, man. Um, if you are one of the few uh, the few fortunate that have enough money to possess a super yacht, you're still not the coolest guy in the room. The, you know, guys like Roman Roman Abramovich and Jeff Bezos, they got these enormous super yachts just to have fun on. Well, there's a company called, uh, they've developed a super submarine. I know there are a lot of people kind of going, hmm, not really feeling good about submarines lately. Kind of had some bad stories in the news. Uh, this thing is, before you get totally turned off, 
It can. It's big enough to hold. It's eight hundred and twenty. Oh, you can go to the depth of eight hundred and twenty feet. It's big enough to hold twenty passengers and forty crew members. It has a swimming pool, a wine cellar, a cinema, and a price tag of two billion dollars. Now, unlike planes, uh, subs do. Is there like a um, underwater uh, code that you can let everybody know that hey, uh, you know, you, I know you just pinged my ship uh, with your sonar, but We're I'm a pleasure vessel. Yeah, I'm a pleasure vessel, and definitely not a Russian sub. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any defense machinery on board? A torpedo, uh, something. Uh, the, you can also, it has a pressure v- hull viewing window. So there's a glass. The front that, of it, yeah. You can see. How does that make any sense? Which sounds great until you are sitting at the front of it and all of a sudden you see a, a, a uh, another sub firing yeah. a torpedo at you. Or a, or a dude in a frogman that putting some plastic explosives <laughs> on that window <laughs> and setting the timer and uh, surfacing. Is that dolphin putting C4 on the window? <laughs> 543 feet long with a swimming pool. All right. Uh, so you 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 have a super yacht. How poor are you? You don't have a super sub? So, I mean, at this point now, you could, if you're a billionaire and needs to get somewhere in a clandestine fashion, you're traveling under, under the water. Nobody knows where you are. I don't know. Do you have to file a, are you, you know, do you... I don't. I don't know when it comes to the maritime. Like, do you? Yeah. Is there everybody know where all subs are at all times? If they're like leisure subs, you want to make sure where you're going. You don't stumble on a on a on a on a, on a mining exercise or something like that. Wow. I'd love to see uh, the inside of us. Uh, okay, we got to take our final break here. We'll come back to wrap it up for you. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this. But you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Every year, Steve Faircal climbs the stairs at the John Hancock Center in Chicago, 94 floors to the top. It's called the hustle up the Hancock. It's hard to believe when you watch Steve today that a few years ago, his lungs were failing and he was fighting to survive. For eight hours a day, someone was pounding on my chest to try and keep my lungs clear. I honestly don't think 
I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received the gift of life, a double lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. After I got my new lungs, I started doing things that I had never been able to do. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. Steve climbs to honor his donor and to raise awareness for organ, eye, and tissue donation. Wouldn't you like that when you left this beautiful planet, that you could save a few lives on your way out? It's an incredible gift. Imagine what you could make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources, and Services Administration. Roxanne Watson is on a mission to have more people sign up as organ, eye, and tissue donors. What drives her? Roxanne received a heart transplant made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day to devote myself to signing up the most people in the United States. <laughs> That's my goal. Now she's a powerful force for good. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Okay, men, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Um, hey, Heather. Heather? I wanted to ask her what a good time finishing a, a marathon is. A 52-year-old Chinese marathon runner known as Uncle Chen finished in three hours and 33 minutes. Yeah, seems pretty good. Yeah, right? Um, <clears throat> he was <clears throat> then disqualified. He didn't cheat. He didn't, like we hear some people get in a car, drive half of it, and jump back in with a crowd, that type of stuff. Um, he wasn't using any performing enhancing drugs that we know of, but he did smoke a cigarette through the entire race. Just chain smoked his way the whole three hours and 33 minutes. He ran afoul of a new law there against uncivilized behavior. The, that law prohibits things like open defecation, trampling on flower beds and smoking. Chinese Athletic Association implemented that regulation last year to encourage healthier participation of the race. So, you know, runners, sometimes they get, you know, incontinent. You've seen runners where they just run it down their legs. Oh, yeah. It's disgusting. Yes. And apparently they, they trample on, uh, flower, on bed flower beds. But here's the deal. In 2022, he ran a race placing 574 out of 1,500 runners he finished that race in three hours, 28 minutes, a full five minutes faster than the most recent attempt, <clears throat> which you know what that says? Don't smoke cigarettes, kids. But here's a 52-year-old dude who could run an, a marathon. Who and Look, and they don't, he didn't just start smoking. These kids in China start smoking at six or seven. Yeah, you've seen the old fat Chinese, yeah. Chinese kids. Fat, just, uh, yeah. All fat little Chinese kids just puff uh-huh. away all day long. Um. He smoked throughout the 2018 Gangzhou Marathon and the 2019 Xiamen Marathon. This guy's the smoking marathon runner. Yeah, I mean, if it, he says it helps him. It keeps him from being fatigued. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. <clears throat> well, that's it for us today. Thank you, Easy. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. What's a good time for a marathon? Oh, Lord. Three I, hours, 33? 
I mean, that's fast. Oh, she smoked a cigarette the whole time. That's crazy. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget Bubba the Love Sponge gets things kicking here on the network in the morning. <clears throat> a violent man plagued by uh, mental difficulties. Uh, and then it's Don Miller, the funniest dude on your radio. We will see you tomorrow on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'm Shannon Burke. Have a good night.